here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. New at VoicesOfWrestling.com this week. Sami Zayn is coming to Evolve this weekend, and Gabe Sapolsky stopped by Shake Them Ropes to talk about what that means for the WWE and WWN Live relationship. Rich Kreich looks at whether Seth Rollins' title reign may be the worst in WWE history, plus all of your TV reviews from the week in pro wrestling. You can subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling podcast network on iTunes by visiting voicesofwrestling.com slash iTunes. We're available on Stitcher, Downcast, TuneIn, YouTube, and more also. Get your holiday shopping done early on Amazon and WWE Shop via the Voices of Wrestling affiliate links. By using our affiliates, you help support VoicesOfWrestling.com through your normal shopping at no extra cost to you. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Amazon, make a purchase like normal, and that's it. You've helped grow the website. WWE Shop has great new gift ideas, including, yes, a Kevin Owens gym bag, plus for a limited time, buy two t-shirts and get 30% off your order. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com slash WWE Shop today. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Do I have everybody's attention now? I'm so jacked up just thinking about this match and I'm standing and pacing in my bed. So in go Bernalis. In Bernalis. In go Bernalis. You're missing a B there, but that's There's a B? This is what I'm talking about. These letters don't go together. Oh, you're having a wank, are you? And it's like, no! Many, 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 makey, 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 pishy, pishy! Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. 
and Rich Cranch. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome to a special edition of the Voice Wrestling Podcast. I'm Rich Craig. No Joe Lanza today. Unfortunately, we couldn't get schedules to work out. Uh, he's doing a special guest spot on another podcast. I'm sure you'll be finding that out in the next few days, what podcast he was on. I don't know if I'm allowed to reveal it right now. So we're going to work it out. He's probably going to do his own little thing this week, probably focusing more on New Japan and the uh, the you know the Super Junior Tag League. That's coming up pretty soon. Uh, you know, The Road to Power Struggle show is coming up. And whatever the hell Joe wants to talk about, he's going to do his own little show here. So you're going to get two for the price of one, and you know, the one being you know free, but that's fine because... We have a special edition here with my good friend, NAA. You know him on Voices of Wrestling. He's on a bit of a hiatus right now, but he's going to come back strong. You know, he's got to get away from the territory for a little bit, come back strong. It is our part time at this point. He'll come back. Don't worry. Raw reviewer Sean Flynn. Sean, how are you? I am good. I feel like I'm a much mentally healthier man having not. <laughs> yeah, so what's you doing watch? on Mondays? Oh, God. It's been great. I went out, <laughs> went out to Love dinner, had some really good duck liver moose enjoyed my mondays like a normal human being instead of some kane wasn't there but what about kane we we always do need more kane i (laughs) I mean yeah i I wish you would i feel like he could really possibly come up with a third character and go full mcfoley here that could be that could be after yeah after uh, Helena Cell we'll talk about Helena Cell here in a little bit and that's that's what we're gonna focus on here a little bit more stateside stuff but yeah that's gonna be uh, interesting yeah because the the obviously the stipulation with Seth Rollins and I said we'll get to that in a little bit is that you no know, no corporate Kane will lose his job or whatever <laughs> and you're right like I, it won't be enough for Demon Kane to come back we need like but what could that be I like what what would does the Yankum come back does he come back as the dentist could be Unibom. Unibomb, I was going to say Unibomb, the Christmas creature, right around. I, we're, we're not far off from, you know, the Christmas creature being a relevant character. I would be very excited at the thought of a uh, Glenn Jacobs' fake Diesel tag team with Kevin Nash. That's true. Oh, yeah. Okay. There, there are definite possibilities here. Walls Mahoney is still alive, so they can bring Santa Claus back. <laughs> and it was Santa Claus Christmas creature combo. So <laughs> there's a lot of ways you can go here. So, yeah, I mean. Ideally, what I would do is have Kane win the world title because I think that's what we need this in 2015. <laughs> and then we don't have to worry about any of this. And then he's just your champion and you're good. That would be the ratings bonanza that we've been <laughs> looking for this whole time. And I'm just really glad to hear Balls Maloney Bahoney is still alive. I worry about that. Uh, well, on actually, a daily let me basis. confirm that. Let me let me let me confirm that. I believe he is. He looks like hell. Did you watch the um did you ever see that Barbed Wire City documentary? Oh, I we did. had the yeah. uh director right He yeah, he uh yeah. <laughs> he looks exactly like what you'd expect Balls Mahoney. <laughs> yeah, like you know how everyone like. <laughs> yeah, like like the the inverse of Masato Tanaka, where you see him and you're like, oh my god, that guy took like chair shots in the head for 15 years and he looks great, and it's like, oh, Balls Mahoney took chair shots in the head for 15. Oh, well, Japanese yeah. wrestlers age in the blink of an eye. That's the thing. Yeah, he will look like 80. I mean, like, you look at someone like Kenta Kabashi three, four years ago in the ring. Even if his movement was still slow, he still looked like Kabashi. And now you see him and he looks like a guy who should run like a little ramen shop somewhere. <laughs> he probably does. That's most of them does. I know the great Kabuki has a steakhouse that I've, I've loved to. Can you imagine that getting tossed up a steak by the, the great Kabuki? That, He's, he can't cook a good steak though, right? It's got to be like not that good. Well, I mean, you got to hope that it's kind of like Abdullah the Butcher where he's not actually in the kitchen. <laughs> no, I want, no, no, no. I want him physically in the kitchen. But anyway, let, let, let's get on topic here for some stuff. And by on topic, I mean something completely off topic. Uh, right now, I am watching the Chicago Cubs. I imagine you are watching it in the background as well. Uh, it's been a conflicting few uh, weeks, months for us. 
uh, in September, you, uh, you, me, Greg Davis, and uh, Jerome Cusan, who who works for the uh, runs the PW Ponderings website, a great great website for independent wrestling. Uh, we won a trivia contest at the Squared Circle, the uh, the wrestling themed bar owned by Victoria Lisa Marie, uh, whatever you want to call her. We won, and the 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 prize when we were going into it was they said, "Oh, you win free pizza for a year if you win this grand championship." So we stacked up, <laughs> we got ready. It was a close run, though. We almost didn't pull it off. I mean, it was we won by like ten or twelve or whatever. But for us, that's I mean, we, you and I could go in there and, and win by like thirty on some occasions, or to, or win by like the third round. So to be fair, the guy who almost beat us, and it was one single guy, is the same person who pretty much goes to front row of every WWE event yes. everywhere. So, yeah, in the in the squared circle shirt. So you see yeah. him. I forgot his name. It's, uh, it's Casey, Car- I think. Carrie, I think. Or Carrie, Carrie. That's yeah, it. Carrie, so you're right. Yeah. It, since it was pretty much all WWE trivia, was pretty. It was in his wheelhouse. Right. So he he did well, and he he you know nearly beat us as a single. We won though. We were so okay. We're gonna get free pizza for a year. How are we gonna slice this <laughs> up? You know what are we gonna do? And and we find out there's a little caveat here to this 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 here prize, and that is if the Cubs who and the owner uh, of the squared circle, not Lisa Marie, her former ex. I I don't know what the hell's going on with that. <laughs> <laughs> co-owner of the, the restaurant i'll leave it at that uh he's a huge cubs fan and he had the caveat oh yeah it's free pizza for a year if the cubs make it to the world series and we were like ah oh, you motherfucker whatever <laughs> and then you know this is in september and they're, they're they're on a decent run at this point but then they just they reel off like that last half of the year the last you know september they're just on fire they're just an absolute unbeatable team you know they they Jump to, you know, don't win the division, but, you know, win the home field and the wild card, win the wild card game, you know, obviously win, you know, get into this round of the playoffs. And we're thinking, OK, we're, you know, we're four games away from that free pizza. Uh, it's not looking too good as we record this right now. It, I stand by the gamble. I stand. Yeah, by so, the, so the other prize. And to be were, fair, what? this Go ahead. it was actually in August. It was. Was it August? Oh, it you're right. Was it was August. August. OK. And that's why it was such a. That's why I was. To- everyone was very torn. If it was mid-September, but it was August nineteenth. Oh, that's right. Okay. And I thought it said nine nineteen when I looked at it earlier. August. That's wow. Yeah, they were not like they weren't doing. I mean, it was the late August and September when they really yeah, got hot. So I, yeah, that. I don't even think they technically ha- would have made the playoffs if the season had ended that day. That was ballsy on our behalf. The other two prizes as well. One of them was like a collection of random beer. I think they just were like cleaning out a beer cabinet. Yeah. Like, here, throw the, throw the beer in here. Or like a Dolph Ziggler poster. Well, it was like a pay-per-view with Dolph on it, right? I think so. I Maybe SummerSlam? It, it might have been a SummerSlam poster. It, now that I think about it. It was, it was not a great selection. And the chance to at least have some sort of solace if the Cubs did make it to the World Series... And that's the important part for you, me, and Jerome is we're all White Sox yeah. fans. So it was very like, okay, let, let's – and I think that's when we eventually decided that that's what we were going to do. We came to that that conclusion that, okay, look, I'm a White Sox fan. You're a White Sox The majority of us here are White Sox fans. If the Cubs make it to the World Series, our life's going to be hell, <laughs> right? Like just absolute undying, you know, undying hell. You know, if I'm eating pizza while that hell is happening, you know, I could do with that. If they win the World Series, yeah, I get pizza. All, like every time I go to the square circle, I get pizza. And really, I think we made. <laughs> oh Lord, somebody, somebody buzzed the. Uh, not my apartment, but somebody buzzed near me. So this could be a while. So uh, we'll just move on. This is. Yeah. I was gonna say they were both sleeping, so I was like, oh, it's not gonna be a voice of wrestling. I mean, Joe's not here <laughs> screaming about nonsense and Tinder and 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 taking over the show, and then you know the dogs aren't barking. But here we are. So now. I, I apologize. Well, Sean, how, how's Tinder been going for you? I know you're happily married, but... Uh, I, I apologize you know. for my lack of uh, weird amputee uh, sex stories. 
I, I tried to come up with some, but I don't have the creative <laughs> imagination or libido of Mr. Joe Lanza, I'm afraid. Yeah, who's got time for that? That's why I'm amazing. I don't know how he has time for it. No, between that and the 20, 21-hour podcast you guys record, mm-hmm. I don't know how he does anything else. Yeah, he, he must He not. claims to have a job, but I'm, I don't, I'm don't skeptical. <laughs> Very skeptical of that as well. So, anyway, uh, we I, I don't think the pizza's going to happen, but anyway, uh, just a fun little story I am here not for... giving up yet. They have a Yeah, no, we're going to sound like complete idiots. That's going to be the best part, is this podcast going to be done. They're like, you idiots! That was the best comeback of all time! Why'd you, you know? I'm glad they're down 6-0 in the fourth, and, but... Okay, okay, I think we're done. <laughs> all right. They're not coming to our apartment. Okay. I get it. From their standpoint, I do get it. Oh, yeah. It's a loud buzzer. Every time the buzzer gets rung in this room, somebody walks in. And that maybe it's a Halloween party. You know. Oh. <laughs> I I have a I have wrestling accoutrement that's going to be added to a non wrestling costume for this year. <laughs> okay, yes, yes. So you're coming to my Halloween party. What what don't don't reveal. Actually, no, I was gonna ask don't I don't want to know. Is the wife coming? I, I believe is it, that she I, wearing something yeah, wrestling related? She is not, unless I can find something within the next couple days. She's not coming or not wearing I, something wrestling I, related? Not wrestling related. Okay. She will be there. I, I thought okay. to myself, that could be the one kind of non-creepy use for buying a, a used ring gear. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll have to scour and see if anyone making some last-minute sales something we can oh god i saw matt cage matt cage had a, had a had a sale up there so if you'd like to get some of his trunks i'm pretty sure um, matt cage's trunks would fit maybe one of my legs yeah i was gonna say i it might be a tough matt cage is a lithe athletic specimen of a man and i'm a big doughy lump <laughs> <laughs> oh stop you're not a lump this is true. I mean, that is, I will say that is one of the great things about going to Shimmer shows is, man, the people there are wonderful, but you, even someone my size can be in the better half of the athletic group. You are, yes, yeah. <laughs> wonderful, mostly wonderful people, but not, uh, well, actually, not, gym, not, a, not a, gym, a gym membership type. No, 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 definitely not. No, certainly not. Uh, actually, I, I, that's, it gives us to a good this a topic you wanted to talk about. We had a few things. We're going to talk about Hell in the Cell, and then we're actually going to, at the last half of the show, probably talk about our favorite Halloween Havoc memories because we're getting to that holiday, Halloween season. I mentioned my Halloween party stuff going on. I've been rewatching a lot of the Halloween Havocs. You apparently went to a Halloween Havoc, which just blows my mind. I cannot wait I have... to hear that story. So uh, I hope was it, it wasn't the 1991, though, right? I hope it was like a, a MGM Grand. No, it was the 91. Okay, that's fine. But that, that's... I have there are stories still from that. <laughs> okay, good, good. Because I was gonna feel like you'd have more stories in like the ninety. You're like ah, like in 1999, I was in Las Vegas, and we're like, holy oh. shit, let's go to Halloween Havoc or whatever. <laughs> and then like just your head exploding by Vince Russo causing like so much. But that's fine. Or the the 2000, which was like a handicap main event for Goldberg's yeah. career or whatever the yeah. hell. But okay, I'm I'm actually kind of glad it's 1990 instead of that train wreck of a of. A, but we can yeah, talk about I, those. I, I'm much happier with old NWA and pre. NWO, WCW. Yes, yes. Those are much more fun. Anything after that it just turns into an angry rant. 
Yeah, yeah, it's too much. This will be fun. This will be endearing as opposed to just a slog through terribleness. But uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Hell in the Cell, as I mentioned. But you had a little topic you wanted to talk about, and I guess you can say, because it's sort of your your corner of the internet, you said, has been blowing up about a particular story that's going on this week. I know a little bit about it. Maybe if you want to clue some people in, I have some details. But w- what's kind of going on here? And it, it involves an, uh, an American independent woman who people might be familiar on this website. If you've heard, we've mentioned her numerous times. She's big with Inspire Pro Wrestling and in the Texas area, and that's sort of stuff but what, what's kind of going on here well barbie hayden has posted a gofundme page saying that she would like to move to florida in order to try and catch the attention of wwe so she's essentially saying i need money to move i trying to cover my security deposit first month's rent moving expenses and all that so i'm shocked at how many people have already donated and the amounts that have been given but I'm just taken aback by how much vitriol and anger it's getting from fans on Twitter. Because, and I mean, I'm leaving the wrestlers who are pissed off about this out because we all know that everyone in wrestling is absolutely fucking insane. Right, and they all hate each other. They live in a weird universe where somehow absolutely everything is some sort of transgression against the wrestling brother and sisterhood brother. Yes, and they're always they're always competing. Like like it's always a spot that's being taken. And, and in some cases it is, oh, yeah. but like sometimes it's not. Like just like they're always they're, there's a weird micro competition between them. Like they just yeah. don't stay friends for very long. You, you know, like something weird will happen and they won't. You know, they'll just it's a very weird brotherhood or, and sisterhood and then, or whatever. It's it's an yeah. odd. And I know it's always especially, but with again being someone who's been a fan of the American women's scene for about a decade almost now. I know that many of the guy wrestlers get pissed off at the fact that, yeah, if you're a more popular woman's wrestler in the independent scene, you're going to get help from fans and fans are going to give you things because some fans either feel very attached because the scene is so small and intimate or because they're people who should have restraining orders mailed to them daily. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, it's both. Yeah. No, no, it absolutely, yeah, and that's for people who haven't been to like a, a Shimmer show. I mean, we're not, we're not trying to. You're one who's been to many, many, many I've shows. I've been so, going so, since 2007. So right, so before you're like, oh no, 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 like, like if it was me and Joe, yeah, we're, we yeah. are not in any way like <laughs> able to sort of say it. But you are somebody who, who's gone to the shows, has done it, yeah. you know, bought pretty much every DVD. You do our reviews on the site too. You've talked to, you know, Dave Prezak for this very site, and he's you know the one that runs Shimmer and stuff. Yeah. So you, you, you're connect. I mean, you, you're not. It's not me and Joe just throwing out something. Exactly. I'm not part of the horrible, uh, misogynistic uh, women haters club that the normal (laughs) podcast is. Right. Yes. But But, uh, real quick here, I just wanted to read uh, what what Barbie wrote so people have a little bit of context in case you didn't know. And I mentioned, yeah, Barbie Hayden is someone that we've mentioned on this podcast before. Very active in the Texas scene. So Joe has seen her many, many times. Um, Here's a little stuff from her GoFundMe. Right now she has uh, $895. Uh, Her goal is uh, three. Three thousand five hundred, and so far twelve people have given her eight hundred ninety-five dollars. Uh, as you can see, I work very hard, so she kind of gave a little bit of background of her career. I don't have to get into that. Uh, so your money will not go to waste. I am ready to move to Florida in order to finally make this WWE dream a reality. I will be jobless at first, so I'm asking help with the move and first must rent until I can get onto my feet and make you guys proud. I am very alone in this move, so any help is needed. Thank you. And then she also adds another little tidbit here on Facebook. Uh, I would like to clarify that I do not need that I do not need. 
the, uh, anyone to pay for my move. But if anybody wants to help, so need is in capitals and wants is in capital as well to help, it would be appreciated. I have come I have come across numerous financial burdens unexpectedly, and all were completely out of my control. So those who are tearing me down, please take your negative negativity elsewhere. You have no idea what I have been through. I made a personal decision not to post these hardships and blast these people online when they happened. To those who understand why I'm going through, thank you. So that's just a plea there of saying I don't need this money, but if you want to help me, I will take it. So, and so yeah, I know rest. I know that the male wrestlers in this scene get pissed because yeah, a woman wrestler gets all gets free stuff. They get things off wish lists, and men the the men in the scene love to complain about that, and that's fine. Whatever. I'd never begrudge a wrestler complaining about anything else involving wrestling because they're throwing themselves on the ground repeatedly for my entertainment, so I'm fine with that. But I don't understand why it is that people who are very hardcore fans of an industry that is based on getting gullible people to give them money, (laughs) the entire industry is based on a lie and getting people to buy into it, and that's okay. I don't see why that that's not a bad thing, but suddenly this form of begging or this form of requesting things Mm -hmm. is every name in the book is being thrown out there. I mean, why is it any different than having 74 different t-shirts for sale or selling eight by tens or 20 bucks for a, photo op with the honky tonk man yeah or i let us super kick you yeah you know, well to be fair a hundred dollars for us to super kick you that is great i, I would I, instantly pay a hundred bucks for that <laughs> <laughs> or uh you, you know get shot by kenta kobashi i don't think you even have to pay for that you just ask for it and he'll just chop you i believe so <laughs> it's the special at his ramen shop <laughs> right, yes. uh, i've always wanted to go to japan but now now i want to no, so much more <laughs> but yeah i mean The idea that this is somehow that we've crossed a threshold of acceptable behavior, I I don't understand the logic behind it. Normally, solid-thinking people are getting really – they're getting worked into a shoot about this. It It is bizarre. From from my standpoint of – and I I don't really have any super strong thoughts, and I've seen some of the stuff online, but it hasn't been enough that I – you know, I and and I don't know if you have specific examples of guys. If you can, uh, if you can fire those up as well, because I've been trying to look here of guys that you know of wrestlers or whatever who have doing. I've seen just bits and pieces of stuff, you know, throughout the day. But yeah, like you said, I think that the the inherent thing is, yeah, it, it's pro wrestling, and it's like GoFundMe is just a digital way of doing what kind of pro wrestling is all about. Yeah. And the other thing too is, if you really feel strongly about, it, if you really think, oh my god, this is ridiculous, or oh, you know, I don't really think you're at gunpoint to give her money. Like if you think it's really stupid, yeah. You can just not give her. I mean, like, I don't necessarily think that that's something I would want to donate to. So guess what I'm doing, Sean? <laughs> um, you're giving her money anyways. I'm giving her money anyway because I mean, come on. I mean, what what a what a panhandler. I mean, how ridiculous is that? No, I'm I'm just not gonna give her money. Like, you know, I stay out of all. I I I mean, I don't. I've I've done t- plenty of crowdfunding for things that I felt deserved it or for any other exactly. reason or anything like that. I mean, it, you just you don't have to do that. It's not like it's not affecting your sensibilities in any way. Just don't. Give her money if it doesn't matter to you. To the people that are going to give her money, I mean, she's full on her right to do that. And that's like I don't, I don't necessarily get mad at the wish list stuff either. I don't get mad at really anything because yeah. if 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 people are willing to pay you for anything, 
then go ahead and do it. Like I, I, I've never been somebody that's gotten upset by that. Like if somebody wanted to give us a thousand dollars every single month to do this podcast, do you think, why would I turn that down? Like in what world would you ever turn that down? Anybody think of anybody in that situation. And she's in that same situation. Look, if I can get people to give me $3,000, you know, why, why would I not try it? I mean, it's, it's your wrestlers. You don't really have much, like if it's a dignity thing, like it's pro wrestling. Like you said, it's come on. I mean, it's like Like, the only reason that I heard anything about it at first was someone retweeted, uh, Kevin Harvey, just torching her. And again, I, I love Kevin Harvey. I think he's hilarious, but it was just so out of like saying you're, Someone who's, you're essentially a panhandler. You're a bum. I mean, I've seen other people doing more subtle digs. Like Mia Yim threw one out there today. But yeah, the fans are the people who annoy me. Well, that's rich. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's. Yeah, See, this is the kind of rabbit hole that you don't, that it's just so murky with wrestling. You don't want to get into that because then we end up talking about customs and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, it just goes down a line. It doesn't need to get to that point. Either, no, Cause it's no. like, right. And that's, so I, I found one of the tweets and Kevin Harvey, he's a guy who, uh, he's a Chicago area manager. He used to work for AW for a long time. He's still, uh, he does shimmer stuff as well. He's like the associate producer. He's, I forgot what his exact title is. Yeah, I don't is know there. that he's involved anymore, but I know for a long time he was also their ring announcer. So he's been involved and he's obviously a friend of women's wrestling. So it's not like yes. he's coming from a stupid girl's place. Yeah, right. So it's a little interesting. So yeah, he says, if you were using crowdfunding to uh, further your wrestling career, and and further is in quotes and career is in quotes as well, which is odd, but uh, you are panhandling bum in the ecosystem of, quote, the business. I, I wanna... Which is pretty rich, because wrestling, like, you should never, like, there's no panhandling in wrestling. Like The that, entire that wrestling... point is to get people to give you <laughs> right. money. It is literally panhandling. It's the only thing you're in this for. <laughs> Unless you're going to an art gallery and putting on the match and then and then saying, we're done. Even then, you're probably passing the hat or at least asking for tips at the open bar. What the hell has become of Twitter and of wrestling fans when the idea of someone trying to get money from them has is a dirty thing? We rush to give our money away to these people in as many unique ways as we can. Yeah, our, our daily Twitter feed is just filled with people hawking T-shirts, yeah. like, all day. Like, if you follow an independent wrestler on Twitter, you you basically understand that, like, 75%, and and for good reason. I actually see why they do it. 75% of those tweets are going to be about their T-shirts. And you follow us. A lot of our stuff is linking back to the website, which, oh, my God, we have ads. And, oh, my God, we sometimes make ad revenue. And we'll put, like, affiliate links on there, WWE Shop, Amazon stuff, like that. And this very podcast, you'll hear something about our Amazon and our YouTube stuff. It's just – that's – kind of the the game like exactly i mean if someone wants to give us three thousand dollars a month to do podcasts and we can use it to fix our car that's great i'd be in favor of that it's it's really bizarre yeah so so kevin he goes on a little bit repeatedly uh posting and tweeting links to quote support your dream are the internet equivalent of shaking a cup and saying spare some change i i don't i just don't i mean that's right that's i mean and again people in the industry getting annoyed at it fine like i said you're a wrestler you're all nuts i i don't even want to try to get myself into the mindset of a pro wrestler or anyone involved in the industry because they're all just goofy love them but goofy but the idea that fans are pissed off about this or feel somehow taken advantage of is 
it's just beyond don't me. Give money. Like yeah. I, I can't, I can't wrap my head around this. Like if, yeah. if it, if it affects you and you're, oh my god, this is awful, and I feel too. Even if you're a fan of hers yeah. and you feel slighted in some way of doing it, she's not like by gunpoint or saying, you know, I hate you if you don't donate to yeah. me. She's saying if you want to donate, knock yourself out. Like and and to be fair, she's gotten a thousand dollars almost already. So damn, who's the idiot? Like. <laughs> I yeah I don't. It's a understand. weird hill to die on. What a weird, weird, weird hill to die on. So indie indie wrestling fans, especially anything connected with women wrestling, it just gets so weird. And I want to keep supporting the industry, but man, that whole corner of the internet's just yeah. And, and that's the and that's it's, but there's the other half. You got to remember, you said there's these there's the half that need restraining orders, and there's the half that are good. Oh, there so. are. I, there there so definitely it are. I keep, I'm trying. I'm trying to hold it down for everybody here. <laughs> After all, we, we we don't have. Although we have more more people who could be in that feminist bent now on the site. You've you've gotten me <laughs> some allies over the last year. <laughs> yes, exactly. So we you complained enough that we finally did it. Like you know, like Barbie Hayden and her GoFundMe. You just complain enough. You know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, and we you know put some. Uh, I, I do feminist I can. on this website. There you go. I'm, I'm going to some icky women. I Ew. I, I <laughs> Ew. I can't. Wait I have to, to get talk back. to them too. Ew. In, in November, I can return putting my SJW drivel into my raw reviews. <laughs> I never knew that people didn't use that ironically. Like I use it ironically because I thought that's what it always was. And then I saw somebody recently, uh, Rugun, posted something and oh, they, yeah. they said SJW. And I was like, what the hell is SJW? So I went to Urban Dictionary and looked it up and I was like, oh, he wasn't using I, – I only thought that was ironic. And he wasn't being ironic. No, the guy who, no. who tweeted was – I thought I, – I swore it was only ironic. Like how did that happen? How did it not it become more than just ironic? If I were someone who could develop apps or things or had any technical skill, I would create a filter on or Twitter. Skill, well, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, <laughs> lumpy, useless lump of dough. But if I could do anything, I would create a filter on Twitter that takes any tweet that uses the term SJW White Knight and just automatically changes the tweet to say, hi, I'm an asshole. Ignore everything I say. <laughs> what if it's used with irony, though? I don't know. We'll have to develop some sort of irony algorithm in there. Oh, uh, yeah. Now, OK. All right. That's, You're not sweeping all those, though. You don't want to sweep all the because because no. ironically, it can be used pretty funny. It can. It can. But irony is like fire. It's best left to the it's professionals tough. to work with. <laughs> right. Random Absolutely. person will just burn down the Internet and then we'll all just then we'll be left back on live journal. Oh, boy. Please don't make that. I'm <laughs> <laughs> still still man. Like CM Punk. I, I was I was prior to the Friendster. I didn't uh, I didn't jump in on that. I was still on AIM during that point. I, I had no time for Friendster. I was on ICQ and AIM. So C CM Punk's live journal is still amazing, by the way. Yeah, I love how it's active. Like I, lo I love how he hasn't even like because yeah. he's such a guy who you know he 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 likes to put up this front that he doesn't care what anybody thinks, oh, yeah. even though he he lives and dies by what other people think of him. But uh, like, how is he not logged in and deleted that thing? <laughs> because it's a great archive to lose the harley race story <laughs> you're right yeah i know i agree it's great but it seems like he, it, he would be one that would be upset by it you know i don't know it seems to me like he's the type of guy who likes to be pissed off at people but on no the idea <laughs> of no. erasing any of his past, he's no. i think he's pretty much like yep here's where it was here's what i had to say he likes some really really awful music though oh 
God, yeah. I had to lead. I had to lead Michelle once through it because I said, "Oh, he liked you know really really bad you know emo punk or whatever." And she's like, "Well, I like bad emo punk." And I'm like, "Nah, eh, not this bad." And then we went through his live journal once, and because like everything's like listening to My Chemical Romance or whatever. I'm like, "See," and he's like, "Oh yeah, that's pretty bad." Like, I, like it's, it's it's appalling musical. Okay, I might be a terrible that. person, but I actually have a slight soft spot in my heart for My Chemical Romance. Well, yeah. I'm I'm too old, and my hair is not floppy enough to be a proper fan but that's true you couldn't go to the shows you'd be laughed oh, at God, but... yeah. or you could just like stand around a kid and just hopefully act like somebody thinks that that's possibly like like you're the older brother that had to take her to the show <laughs> or something like that or you know, try to latch on that way so they're not like who's this guy <laughs> like... that that was me at a rise against show once oh boy when the when was that back in maybe I think it might have been 07 or 08 because I think the Cubs might have been in the playoffs at that time. And it was awkward. Yeah, that's where, where what was the venue? Metro. Oh, the Metro. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're over the age of like 19, you don't really belong at the Metro. So no, that's... no. <laughs> Which amazing is it's true even for a 21 and over show. Exactly, you're right. <laughs> that's, that's the funniest part about the Metro. That's... <laughs> you probably, you, have you gone to numerous shows at the Metro? I spent many years spending a lot of time at the metro yeah so so you're aware no it is actually true though that even at the 21 and over shows you're like that person can't be more than 17 oh no like like that's that's borderline 17 like other than just really old fogey bands that i've ever seen there the crowd is always justin bieber fan age (laughs) yeah right uh, so anything else on this Barbie Hayden thing before we move on to uh, the, the most important thing, and that is breaking down this uh, monotonous Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. Get over yourselves, people. It's wrestling. Quit bitching about it. <laughs> Seriously. Between the sub-tweets, the sub-sub-tweets, the sub-sub-sub-tweets, and the implied memes, I don't even understand 80% of the tweets anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotten very odd. But yeah, I think I think at the end of the day, the, the biggest thing, and, and again, like you said, it's wrestling. Like, I think so often we kind of lose track of that, especially as wrestling fans. I mean, that's what we do here. And yeah, no, I think we should take it serious and we should be passionate about what we enjoy and what we like or whatever. But at the end of the day, realize what this business is. Like, it's it's a carny business. Like, I think Joe and I say that all the yeah. time is like, don't don't forget, every one of these promoters, they, they don't care about you and they, and they shouldn't. You're a customer. You're a number to them. You, they're carnies. The wrestlers are carnies. Like, well, yeah, I have personal relationships with some wrestlers or whatever that I've met and, and, and you know, and, and I'm friends with and consider friends and that sort of stuff and promoters we've talked to and all that sort of stuff. End of the day, they're they're carnies. Yeah. They're salespersons. They're, they're, they're no different than a guy you buy a car from and you're like, man, that guy was really cool. Like, he doesn't care. He really doesn't care about you at the end of the day. <laughs> like, th- th- there might be situations where you, you, you get beyond that relationship, but still at the end of the day, they want your money. You, you know, that's that's still the point. I mean, that's how they feed their families is, is they've chosen this profession. So, like, don't forget that it's a carny business. Like, it, it's it's a carnival thing. Like, like I, people we're, really lose track of that a lot. We are marks because we're the ones that the Sharps noted in the crowd and said, oh, this guy will be able to get a dollar from easy. Right. And we wear that title with pride a lot of times, but in the end, we're still the mark. Okay. So there we go. Essentially, everyone should go watch David Mamet movies and <laughs> learn what being a mark is all about. All right, we'll move on to Hell in a Cell here. So, of course, uh, have you been keeping up with WWE in your hiatus? From, I have uh, been keeping up. I have okay. not been watching all exhaustive 12, 13 hours of Raw that they play every week. But 
And before anything else, I just have to say, if you'd have told me a couple weeks ago that I would be taking a few weeks from Raw and that during that time there would be a Shield reunion match, <laughs> I would have thought, damn, I've got advertised timing. Yeah, an unadvertised Shield reunion yeah. match uh, with about a minute or about an hour of build. Yeah, so, they yeah. somehow succeeded in making me not at all disappointed to see the Shield reunite. When if you've ever read my column, and if you haven't, all you, you should have been. You jerk. Exactly. I pretty much every week try to come up with some way in which the angles lead to the Shield reuniting. Any angle. The Divas Revolution angle ends in the Shield reuniting. <laughs> somehow, I don't know how. But the New does. Day, they lead to the Shield reuniting. Well, that would make perfect well, sense, Well, it actually. would. But, yeah, anything. Dolph Ziggler and Lana, the shield reunites. And so when they finally do it, and you're like, that sucked. It, it was really bad. Like and they were against the Wyatts, too. Yeah. That's the other thing, too. It wasn't just, like, against whoever. It was like, oh, the Wyatts. Like, and, of course, it's not the, the perfect Wyatts because Luke Harper wasn't there. And, and you know, Braun Strowman was there instead. And Eric Rowan just kind of moved his way in there out of <laughs> just completely. What is that? It, Come on. Like, can you just try? We've. For two seconds to have some continuity. You remember when Eric Rowan was a uh, classical guitar genius and a vintner? <laughs> what was that? Why did they break them up? Why did they do that? Nobody <laughs> understood. The, like, let's let, let, let's trace that back a little bit, which is hilarious. Okay, so you have the, the Wyatt family. They break up for absolutely, like, like, literally zero reason, correct? Like, there was never even a slight mention of why this no, happened. No, he basically said, I think in one quick promo interview, he said, I've let them go. Right. That, so that Luke Harper went and was just a dirty guy for like three months until he just was like, Oh, Surprising I'm, I'm arts you and craft skills, mind you. Yes, exactly. And then Eric Rowan decided for whatever reason to be a vintner. Eric Rowan was a vintner. And a this happened. This really happened. Like, so. And at the time I was pretty certain that would make him the best character they've ever created in WWE. And he was. And I think, I think we can safely say now that it was, uh, it just had so much unfulfilled potential. If we could have gotten Eric Rowan, especially since WrestleMania was out in San Fran last year. Oh, yeah. Why didn't we get Rowan leading wine tours of Napa Valley vignettes? Why, why didn't we have Rowan going to Screaming Eagle and sharing tips on Terrar? <laughs> <laughs> the, the opportunities missed here are staggering. And frankly, they leave me sad. Yeah. Um, so then, of course, you know, Harper just goes back with Wyatt yeah. just for absolutely zero reason. Just kind of like, hey, 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 do you mind if I come back again? Like, yeah, OK, fine. Which is always I mean, the, the thing was and I and I said from the moment they broke those guys up and you saw Bray, you saw Bray's trajectory just plummet oh, during yeah. that time, too, because again, he lost all the point of his because he talks and he goes on and on in these promos about, oh, I'm a you know, I have the followers and you'll follow me and th th this and this. And he's a cult leader, like he, a leader of a cult, you know, he. <laughs> Ideally, should have people that you know follow him, right? He 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 was a pretty terrible cult leader for a while. There, <laughs> you're a cult leader, and you look around and go, "Oh man, it's just me, really." Okay, if, that's fine. Like it's Jim Jones sitting there with just a jug of Kool Aid in an empty field and being like, "Yeah, Any, anyone, an empty island, anyone? <laughs> God damn it, <laughs> this is stupid." Yeah, exactly. So it's it, it it never made any sense from that standpoint. And then slowly but surely, they just kind of all come back. This one was even more like the Luke Harper thing sort of over time was like, hey, yeah, we were friends. OK, let's be friends again. Eric Horn was literally just in the ring. And Michael Cole, I think his quote was, oh, look at that. Who's that? The end. <laughs> and there's it's, what a year, almost a year, nearly a year of storyline. Just said, uh, yeah, because, yeah, it yeah. was 
it was Go around Survivor yourself. Series last year when Harper <laughs> and Rowan each split onto the different teams. So yeah, 11 months later, we are back to their, the Wyatt family, and now there's a big fat guy with them. Right, and they get to go against the Shield. I mean, they had fantastic matches for an entire year. You know, some of the best, you know, six-man matches we've ever, ever seen in WWE and even, you know, worldwide. There were some of those ones, you know, the Elimination Chamber one. Uh, people still stand out as one of their favorite matches of all time, um, or at least, you know, a, a top 10 or top 15, you know, WWE matches. a legendary, legendary WWE match. So, we, you know, the Shield and the Wyatts, they're back. This should be grand, right? Yeah. The Wyatts and Shield six-man was a good enough piece of business that at the infamous hijack raw back in March of 20, God, whenever the hell it was 13, right? Yeah. WWE time all runs together now for me, but yeah, they were able to get the crowd to completely forget about CM Punk existing for that entire match. No one. Oh, that was 14. Never mind. It was the one we were at. You're right. Yeah. 14. Yeah, I'm yeah. The, I, I'm same thing with you. I, 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 no, I blame my. No, was it 15? Was it? No, it was 14. No, it was it definitely 14. not 15. It was 14. Yeah, I was gonna say, oh dear God. Okay, no, it was 14. Because yeah, 14. Isn't that sad that it's like you can't really even even the WrestleManias run together now. Yeah, that's bad. Like I legitimately was like, no, it's it was this year, right? It couldn't have been a year ago. It could not have been over a year ago. I'm trying to remember. But, it feels yeah. like the whole Daniel Bryan WrestleMania was forever ago. But yeah, but yeah, yeah that like, match shut up the angriest crowd that i've ever been a part of completely they totally dropped everything even the people who were there doing just stick about being pissed off at punk leaving everyone got into it because that's how damn good those matches were and then somehow a year year and a half later you're here there's no road that should have gotten you here you have to purposely drive off the road through the uh, bed of through the bed of nails part of town, and once your car breaks down, you just set it on fire and then walk backwards. I don't understand, and I watch this every week. <laughs> I've seen how they got here, and I still don't know how they got here. <sighs> well, luckily they, they had an explosion in ratings, so everything is okay. So we're good. So they. They beat Christmas Eve, or rather tied Christmas Eve from two years ago. So, or three, uh, 2012, actually. Man, I think that means Steve Austin's going to be back every week, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> right. If they can, they can get Christmas Eve level ratings uh, from four years ago. That's we know it's we know things are working then. So that's good. That's that's perfect. So uh, it all leads, all roads somehow, some way lead to the uh, the the big special event, pay per view event this Sunday. Which, uh, yeah, it it, it I, I will admit that that. You know, Monday was a decent build towards Hell in a Cell. They, they seemed like they were really committed to it being a, a big event, that it was big. I mean, probably a little bit too little too late, but it, it, at some point, at least, it was fun to see them, or at least some hope that they, they were pretty strong in making this thing a big deal, yeah. this Hell in a Cell. Would you agree? Well, other than the fact that you somehow built up your main title match without one of the participants in the well, room, but for happen. WWE, that build is, I guess, pretty decent compared to some of the other things they've run. So yeah, I'll I'll say at the very least they they put Brock and Undertaker out there and reminded you that they're still alive and going to be at this show. Yeah, considering the the lack of attendance for most of the people in the big matches throughout this build, yeah. I feel like it's still a pretty decent build. When you consider that, you know, of the top two matches, or at least the top three matches, if you want to add both of the Hell in the Cells, you know, yeah. you know, Taker and, and Brock, I mean, they 
just haven't literally have not been on TV for four or five weeks. Uh, you know, Kane wasn't there at all to build this up. So when you kind of put it in that retrospect and, and at least me going through this card of saying, hey, you know, they actually did an OK job given that half the guys they wanted to build towards this pay-per-view weren't there. Which leads to a much bigger issue with WWE proper, which we don't need to get into here. But yeah, that's it's it's a unique uh, situation they're in right now. It's just a it's a very odd odd thing. And and before we get into the Hell in a Cell thing, I just want to real brief. You know, we've been talking about the ratings a lot, and Joe and I have have done a lot of stuff. And I don't want this to be another situation where we just kind of you know go on here and complain about WWE and do all that sort of stuff. But when you look at it, and there has been some sort of backlash to people freaking out about ratings online of people saying, "Oh, it's ratings. Who cares? Or why do you care? And it's an art form. Who cares what the ratings are and all that sort of stuff." And I agree. In, in of itself, I think ratings and and freaking out about ratings, especially in the context of the post you know, Monday Night War era are utterly meaningless. But I think it's a good it's a good snapshot of what's going on in your business and, and a lot of the intrigue that fans have. And and especially when you look at Monday Night Raw, a show that's so embedded in humans. Like for me, that's just on Mondays, it's just like a, a, a wired to turn that on. I turn on USA or for the brief time I turn on Spike. The best part about when they moved to Spike <laughs> is that I always turned on USA for like two years. And I was like, what the hell's going on here? And I'm like, it's 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 seven, it's eight oh one. Like what the fuck? Like I, I believe Raw? And like I believe you were referring to the national network. Oh right. Yes. They were no were they spike it? No, they weren't oh, they never they, were Spike. No. Oh, they were Spike once they left. You're right. Exactly. Spike became the home of TNA. <laughs> Yes, they weren't Spike at that point. They were the National Network, yes. Not the National Network. No, those that was their, those. There was no more White Horse Cafe. It was weird. Nope. I like the National Network. My dad used to love it because my dad loves like racing and like Dukes of Hazard and stuff. So that was always, it was a great channel. It was on all the time. There was like sprint car races oh, and yeah. dirt track races on all the time. And he really loved that channel. I, gra- Which leads me, that, that, that's my favorite part of that channel's like sort of progression <laughs> is I wonder what like the, the corporate structure looked like. Because for like really honestly before like even even when ECW was still on there, they were showing like dirt track races and stuff oh, like yeah. that. And, like, and you know what I mean? Like and then just in like, th- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, Slam Ball was fucking awesome. Well, yeah. so I, 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 I mean, Slamball that pretty great. much is the best three-hour block you can imagine. Is that not the greatest? I mean, that was I, and that's probably why I didn't have a girlfriend for a long time. Is that on Fridays I really looked forward to sitting down, presumably with pizza that my parents bought. I mean, granted, I was like thirteen or twelve or whatever at the time, but it's going to my basement and just saying, "Boom, Roller Jam, Slam Ball, ECW." Exactly. That was Paul Heyman's going to scream at me about how the network's fucking him over, and I, I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> it was so extreme. My TV just like at a Mountain Dew tap emerged from <laughs> it's it. So yeah, it's so nineties. <laughs> it's just such a nineties uh, thing. But yeah, no. And then um, so of course, yeah. So then they 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 moved to you know as you said the national network. Thank you for correcting me. I always thought it was Spike. So they moved to the national network, and then like right away, it's like manly stuff. Like like not 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 like as much as when they became Spike and you had Mansers and like hundred. But they the national you know the national network really started getting a lot more of that sort of stuff. And I wonder what the structure was like. Did you still have the same like Southern guys being like you know making the decisions? Because like now there's no way like the right like the guy who secured the dirt track contract. Yeah. There's no way he is still at. On the board at Spike, right? Oh God, no! I, He's just like spitting in a platoon, <laughs> like a platoon. They're like, all right. I, I have to assume that sometime around 1997 or 98, that anyone named Jim Bob or Cletus <laughs> was purged from the corporate structure. In fact, yep, it was apparently owned by the same people who owned Opryland until 1997. Okay, so right when that 1997 and then sale in 97, happened. CBS, Viacom, and Westinghouse bought 
Okay, so that is that is that they got a broom out and actually just swept. Like, exactly, it was like like made them lay on the ground and then actually came with a sweeper and we're like, okay, it's time for you all to leave. Here you go. I got a, I got a quick trivia question for you. Okay, what was the name of that program block that had Roller Jam and ECW? Oh. oh, it had a sweet name too. Oh, don't don't let me give me a second. It's a great 90s name. There's a Z in there somewhere, right? There is a Z, yes. Okay, ooh, okay. Wasn't it like Thrills with a Z or something? It was the Friday Night Thrill Zone. Oh, that's it, yes. That's such a, yeah, it's so 90s. Friday night. I could just see the graphics. Like, I haven't even, I haven't seen them in years, but I could just see them. I know exactly. They were purple and... They were shaking at all times, and maybe it was handwritten <laughs> as well. So it was scratchy writing. Yeah, this, this exactly. Yeah, so. Oh, God. so Jesus. Christ. All right. Well, that's the National Network. But anyway, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's so embedded, and that's why that's what I was kind of getting to here about the ratings. Is that you know, I, I think in of itself, you know, arguing about the ratings, going, "Oh my God, look at like the actual number and that sort of stuff." I think doesn't mean a whole lot anymore, but I think it's still worth looking at combined with other stuff. Like, like let's think about it. if if Raw was having, let's say like 2013, which is a year that Joe and I always bring up, and I I think you'd probably agree as well. Was just a fantastic year for their, their television. Yeah. They had so many good workers all around there. As you mentioned, the Shield, the Wyatts were having great matches. You know, CM Punk was there still having decent matches. Um, you know, Daniel Bryan was was rising and and having you know was great team with Kane. The team Hell No was was having fantastic matches as well. You know, even Ryback was kind of coming to power and 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 being a good sort of change of pace guy. You had just basically everything was working. You know, John Cena was still solid. I mean, everybody was was really good at that year and it was just a good year for for their TV and and the in-ring product of that, you know, the ratings weren't great during that period, but at least you could say, hey, look, they're building up the Shield, they're building up the Wyatts, they're building up Daniel Bryan, they're building up, you know, CM Punk. The ratings aren't great, but at least there's some stuff, there's some hope here. It's it's decent TV. You look at this now, and it's just the, conflu- the confluence of so many different things of, you see the lack of stars. You see the TV that's just so mundane and so awful. I mean, you, I, I, I feel for you every Monday when I, every Tuesday when I read this thing and it's just like, oh my god, like what are you doing? Like I feel so bad. And I, I remind you, I and you can, you can, you can test to this every single Tuesday. I think I text you. And I'm like, Sean, you, you don't have to do this. <laughs> like true. I'm, a, I'm an actual friend of yours. It, like don't do this to yourself. It's, it's just, just stop. Like you don't have to. Like you volunteered this. I, I always remind you, you volunteered. Like let's remember that. I, like I felt like I needed the most challenge thing possible and trying to write something about that show that would be <laughs> enjoyable to read is damn near going to Everest of challenges. Yeah, and that's so that's that's the thing with me is that when you when you combine all these different things, if you look at the ratings and you look at how they're real I mean you, you know, comparatively so, you look at stuff. When you're going back to 1997 and going, hey, look, the ratings are as bad as they were in 1997, and people can, you know, bring up different things of, oh, well, you know, DVRs and, and and this sort of stuff and that and that or whatever. Well, you look at the beginning of the year. Well, DVRs ex- existed at the beginning of the year when they weren't having, you yeah. know, terrible ratings worthy. I mean, DVRs didn't just come up in August or whatever. And, of course, oh, the NFL came up and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, okay, that, that that's well and good or whatever. But at one point, does this stop becoming – I mean, if, if the NFL and, and – 
anytime a decent baseball game is on and anytime there's an okay basketball game on and anytime, like when you start bringing that up of every single week of oh well you know it was it was raining and it's the old promoter thing the old wrestling promoter thing it's too cold it's too hot it's it's too nice outside it was too rainy it was too snowy like like let's you know that's that's the old wrestling promoter adage is like no matter what if there's a bad attendance there's always something to blame on it you know whatever going on in the weather you can you can blame it on there so you have different things like that but it's when you look at this i mean there's no good way to spin this anymore there's just nothing positive going on in anything of that business right now i mean youtube views are doing well i guess that's something to go is okay people are going on to youtube to watch this and is that our new sort of somewhat revenue stream but it's a cold product and that's what the ratings look at me is there's people that have been wired to watch this thing every single week no matter what that are saying eh, i'll go watch something else and that's the scary part is it seemed for a long time like there was a, a floor that the ratings could were going to stop at. That by after it hit a certain ba- certain bottom out, there you're going to get the people who are the diehards, and they're not going anywhere. But this slow attrition of people is a worrisome thing. And there's two things regarding ratings for me as a fan, and I don't get as into the business side of things i don't read i don't read the corporate reports i don't read a whole lot of the really in-depth business analysis the uh chris harrington sort of stuff which is amazing (laughs) but i'm not as interested in that end of it but as a fan for me the ratings become an issue because they're going to impact the product if the ratings existed in a vacuum and it was solely something that their accountants worried about, that'd be fine. But every week you can see the way that they're trying to counter program or that they're trying to build up the show to be a stronger ratings draw. And you end up getting things like, well, maybe this guy isn't as good a ratings draw. His quarter hour dropped by by two hundredths of a point. We need to de-emphasize him. So... It's not just a matter of, oh, it's an artistic product. You don't need to worry about that. The product itself is being influenced by the business side. Exactly. It's it's like, you know, and I take this sort of an analogy of if you have a favorite movie director or whatever, be it whoever, it, you know, pick a name, doesn't really matter. And, you know, he, he has, you know, a few movies that do really well and everyone's into them or whatever. And then at some point, you know, the movies aren't doing very well. And, you know, the the you know, the, the companies are not going to give him movies anymore. If it's a guy that you really like, and that's, I think that's the thing that people sort of lose track of when they say, Oh, it's artistic. Don't worry about it or whatever is. Yeah. But you have a, you have a relationship with these performers in a way that you want them to be good, or you want them to be featured, or you want them sort of do stuff. And you see that the ratings can affect that. And that's, that happens, even though it's artistic, that still happens. It's still a business and that, that can happen in movies. It could happen in TVs. I mean, God, we all, we all have, I, I think numerous people can, can come up with shows that were their favorite TV shows ever that just didn't get the support of advertisers, didn't get the support of, of ratings or whatever, and they're gone. You know, Freaks and Geeks is a show I love that just, you know, it didn't get anything. And they it ended up with the one of the worst endings ever of on some random block, they just decided to throw up the last, what, three or four episodes <laughs> and said, there you go, fuck you. And, then, and that was it. And that was the end of the show. And it's like, oh my God, like what the hell? And then, like that quickly, it was like, and, that, and it was directly because of ratings. Ratings were not good. And the network said, screw it. We're done with this. This is stupid. And it's still, it's a revered show show even to this day people still enjoy it and go back and watch it and go oh my god what could have been of the show but at that point you know the ratings weren't well good so they said screw it and that's where you know art can can affect 
you know, ratings and, and business side can affect art is at the core of it. A lot of art is business. And that's, you know, that's what we're looking well, at here. You said in the earlier discussion we were having regarding the GoFundMe and everything, you said the promoters aren't here to care about you. They're not looking to make you happy. They're looking to get your money. So if they think that this is the John Cena being on top for 10 years now or more is what's going to get the money, then we're going to see odds being overcome until the bitter end of time. It's just how it is. So it's great to say, I just watch it for what's on TV. And if you have no investment in it, that's fine. You can do that. But if you do have an investment in it, as an artistic product, you're going to want to know what the hell is happening on the business side of them, of, of WWE. There's no way around it as great as that would be because their artist, their product is designed solely by what they think is going to make them money. Exactly. And there are a lot of guys who I like who are not going to be, highlighted the way I would like them to be because they don't seem like money to the company. So I think, I think it's a bit of a head in the sand approach to not, to, to not, to not pay attention to the ratings yeah. and what, or to not it get has. it. Yeah. I get it. If you don't want to pay attention to the ratings and you're like, ah, that stuff doesn't bother me. That's fine. But you need to understand why people care about them and why there is so much talk about them when they come out and when they do. And I think one of the biggest things that I've always done or the ratings is I, I don't like looking at the one rating and, and going, oh, my God, it's, a, you know, 2.0 or whatever, oh, yeah. you know, that that does nothing for me. The raw viewers, I, I, I like looking at that as well of the, in terms of the viewer numbers or whatever. But I think the biggest thing to do and, and Brandon Howard had a great piece yeah. on our website. It was a series of pieces, the, the search for uh, Roman Reigns' house show. And in, in a lot of those, uh, there's a three part piece on the website. If you want to go voice wrestling dot com, you can check it out. And in that piece, there's I believe it's the final one, Buffalo, where he goes over a ton of stuff of their business metrics and that sort of stuff. And it's not it's not simply one week's rating and going, oh, my God, a two. 2.0 like oh god what are we gonna do like that sort of stuff but looking at the graphs and looking at the progression and looking at you know the signs and, and that sort of stuff i think that's what's the most important thing is is not simply oh my god last week was a 2.0 we need to change everything uh, of you know look where this company has been ratings wise for a while it is not in a good way and especially this year which was just a a, a, a you know a really huge drop off not not by the time the NFL season. I mean, everybody sort of thinks, oh, the NFL came. And sure, the NFL takes a huge chunk of their ratings every single year. And this year was no exception. But things were not looking good even during the summer. No. I think Labor Day was one of the worst ratings ever. And that it, it never recovered from that. No, they've been People trending downward. Just... Essentially, the minute that the kids went back to school and especially started having to go to bed by the third hour of the show, mm -hmm. they've been just getting hammered at that point. And... First off, I just have to say in here that anything Brandon writes is absolutely amazing. Yes. You should read everything he's put on this site. He is my favorite like opinion piece writer that we have, and we have a hell of a group writing things on here. <laughs> but no, his he's, he's stuff great. is phenomenal, and anything I said about wrestlers it obviously doesn't apply to him because he's just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's one of the good ones. He's one of the good ones. So. Um, but yeah, so no, let, let's get into this Hell in a Cell card here a little bit. There's some all stuff. Right, uh, all right, all right. We're gonna do we're gonna do the one we're gonna do the one through ten game that uh, or, or we can do zero to ten. Let's do zero to ten that Joe and I do. Zero to ten is tempting because I, I I really can't get passionate about a lot of these you know matches. So I, I think it's it's a good discussion point to sort of argue over 
arbitrary numbers in terms of that. So anyway. after we do that, <laughs> there's a question I have for you about this card, and I'm I'm curious to see what your answer is. Okay, is it something that's better served after? I think it's better or... served after. We can look at okay. the individual matches first. And... Okay, let's do that. So we'll start with the pre-show match, which uh, caused a little bit of issue because, of course, there was supposed to be Randy Orton and Luke Harper were supposed to be in this match. Uh, Randy Orton has apparently a shoulder injury, and the the, uh, the observer this week said it was he was taking out his garbage or something <laughs> like that and dislocated his shoulder. I I don't know. I have no sources that tell me one way or another on that. I'll I'll, I'll believe that at least for now. But with Randy Orton, you always kind of go. Hmm really who's back especially when it's kind of random it's it's randy orton so you know you're well in your right to go "Mm, was it (laughs) was it really a shoulder injury but that that's fine but uh the luke harper thing we did get confirmation because there were some people uh wondering what that was you know there was over the weekend there was a picture tweeted out by chris jericho showing like you know luke harper out of character or whatever so we had people going oh my god that's a punishment uh we have confirmation from someone you, you know a very good source uh, for Luke Harper that said it is a personal issue. And that's, they kind of left it at that. They gave us a little bit more detail, but said, you know, don't. Yeah, really it's, disc- it's good it's, to know, though. At it's least not, it's nothing. Not like, anything. Yeah, WWE is cool for. with him. He's cool with WWE. They understand everything is fine. It, it's, it's a personal issue that took him out of this. And, and to WWE's credit, they're, they're allowing him time to sort of deal with that. So it, it, it's, it's perfectly okay. So anybody that's like, oh my God, what's going on with Luke Harper? As far as we know, he'll be right back in the Wyatt family when it gets going again. So they'll have four people this time, which is good. They should have like 20 in my <laughs> exactly. mind. The perfect I... Wyatt family is like, hey, who is doing nothing? Get in here. Like, like I want NWO black and white style of just like 13 jobbers just following Bray Wyatt with big beards. Yeah, why are like there that. not why do they not just have random warm bodies to throw at something? Yeah, I've always thought that was the best thing to do with the Wyatt family. Yeah, I mean, fine, you have your core group that you can bust out for the six-mans or even eight-mans or whatever, but seriously, just pay the Briscoe brothers and, like, don't let them talk and just let them be thrown at people. <laughs> yeah, like, any town you go to, there, there's chances are there's, like, 15 independent wrestlers with beards <laughs> that can fill it, right? Like, like, pretty much any town you're in at any point, Within like, you know, an hour, there are at least, I would give you at least five, oh, yeah. I would say, is is the safe, like, like conservative number of, of, of men with beards that could fill in that role perfectly. Exactly. There's no reason why Bray Wyatt shouldn't have a giant entourage behind him at all times. That's, that'd be the best. that's, that's, that's good. That's a cult leader. Yeah. You know, his, his, his cult has way too many velvet ropes, I guess. It's very hard it's to get into the wide cult. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, he's like, hey, I want to get in your cult. Nah, I don't know if we need you. We don't want to get too many numbers here. We don't want to start, you know, We're, muck, mucking this up. They're selective. That's good. Well, I, I like that. That's a cult you can believe in. So that's that's good. Then you know you you know you really belong this when, is you're, true. when you're there. So, uh, so anyway, the pre-show match now we have is uh, Dolph Ziggler Cesaro. Hint, hints. That's a little bit of our conversation in the last <laughs> segment. There and Neville versus Rusev, Sheamus, and King Barrett. My God, that is a that is a literal creative has nothing for any of you match right there in the pre-show. Can we get some uh, lumberjacks? Yeah, get some. Everyone a paycheck. <laughs> I mean, are Los Matadores busy? I was gonna say, what are the Lucha Dragons gonna do? They they need to be involved some way in this. But uh, yeah, what's what's your zero to ten out of this guy? A point four, just to see <laughs> if somehow Rusev ends up getting pinned by everybody. That's true. They all plop onto him <laughs> because you got to figure at this point he's he's due for some severe humiliation, Vince McMahon style. 
you, you don't. Yeah, yeah. It didn't happen on Monday. Everybody was sort of wondering uh, what was going to happen on Monday if that was going to, uh, you know, something that was going to occur. Yeah. But uh, it was, it was kind of mild Monday. But maybe they'll catch up on on Sunday for the whole. Uh, and that's a whole story for another day. That, yeah. that whole thing. You, you got to think Rusev he's. Thing, but I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying Ziggler beating Rusev, and that gives me about a, like I said, a point four. Yeah, I'm a little bit interested just because I like a lot of the guys that are in this match. Like the match itself is right up my alley. There's a ton of guys in here that I enjoy. You know, pretty much everybody. Uh, Ziggler, Cesaro, Neville, I, I really enjoy. Rusev, I enjoy. Sheamus, to a point, I enjoy him. But you know, and, he, and King Barrett is is a fun character when he's not King Barrett. <laughs> I, I agree. Everyone in this match I like. But they're all in a spot where I can't envision myself like exactly. anything that happens. It's going to be like seven minutes. Yeah. I'm probably I, I the pre-show. I always I, I like somehow no matter what miss it because yeah. I'm always in like the other room doing something to get ready for it or you know we're getting our review together. Yeah. So I'm getting the document. And I walk in and like the match is half over. I'm like ah oh, what the hell like so that's always something that's going to happen with these pre-shows. So that's what sucks is like they're all guys that I enjoy and I want to like it a lot more. But yeah, I can't go more than a three because it's like well you know. None of these. I can't get invested in, in anybody no. in this match or this match in general because it's a fucking pre-show match exactly. with the six man. It's absolutely meaningless. Everyone's going to just hit a couple of spots and move along. There's no, there's nothing to it other than the intrigue of what happens with Rusev. Yeah, absolutely. I'll move on to uh, Intercontinental Championship match. Kevin Owens defending his title. Hey, remember when that guy was a? Oh yeah, a he, interesting he, character he that was against some, the bold and he beat a guy or something. I don't know. Yeah, that was that was fun, but and now he's IC champion, and so, uh, so he gets we, to face. We can only assume that. Oh my god, I forgot don't, about this. Don't cry, it's okay. I made a joke about Kevin Owens because of the curse of the IC title, and I was I went to Wikipedia and just pulled a list of like obscure diseases that very few <laughs> people have. And then a day or two later, I got a tweet and a follow re- and a follow from a foundation that specializes in these things. And they're like, are you referring to Kevin Owens, the fighter? <laughs> I'm like, no, he doesn't have whatever crazy ass thing. I yeah, their PR was like, oh, boy, this will be great. I, I know that for a moment they're like, we finally got one. <laughs> right. What was that thing that uh, White Sox pitcher Billy Koch had where oh, he had like fibers Morgul- growing out of his body? Morgulons. Yes. What was that's a that's a fun one. I, I actually read a lot about that and those people they're very certain in their in what they think they have. So it's hard to Yeah, it's one of those, right? It's like one that where people say it's it's like delusion, right? Yeah, they it's say like... it's a delusion and I went out for a while. The CDC was actually funding like a pilot study to see if there was anything to it. But if if it did exist, it would totally explain why he was so terrible as a pitcher for us. <laughs> <Right>. I <laughs> mean, if the guy's got yarn balls coming out of his arm, that that'll do it. Yeah, I, that's it. I assume his shoulder was just slowly turning into a uh, a crochet work. <laughs> so anyway, Kevin Owens, Ryback, IC title. Uh, I have to imagine that Kevin Owens still wins this match. But uh, yeah, my intrigue level is about a five for this, unfortunately. Which is, how do you do that with, with Kevin Owens? Like, come on. Like, how do you make it a five? Like, why is this true? But it's true. Oh, this is my wheelhouse here. You you know how much I love the big guy. I Oh, I like Ryback too. I, no, I, I drive and, the Ryback bandwagon. You do. Yes, and I indeed. will drive it till the 
Is it end. is it a motor vehicle? I thought it was always kind of like a push cart or something. Is it? It's it's motor. It's 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 a motorcycle with a really big ass sidecar. Oh, okay, like a, a hilariously. Oh yeah. Side- Usually filled by a dog with glasses. Yeah, right? sidecar like a- has a dog with glasses. It has me. It has a couple of random uh, hobos that were picked up along the way. And- From various CC's buffets. Oh, yeah, so yeah. We- we're saying feed me more, and you just assume that that was the... <laughs> they they heard... The- you like Ryback, too? Whoa, get on. <laughs> <laughs> they heard feed me more, and the Golden Corral emptied. <laughs> but, yeah, I my excitement for this is a solid eight. I, I love when... Kevin Owens works great with anyone, and Ryback works up to his competition, so I feel like this is going to be a fun hoss fight. It's going to be just two guys banging against each other and people getting thrown all over the place. I I, I love everything about this match. So what's your interest level, then? At least an eight. Nice. Okay, all right. Well, I'm glad. I, I I want to enjoy this match a little bit more. Hopefully it is a good one. Hopefully they give it some time. And, you know, my hope is that, and we've been, like I said, I always make a joke about this, like the, the bi-yearly, oh my God, they're going to do something with the IC title thing, which, which happens, I think has been happening every year since, I think 2010, maybe, maybe when that first year when Cody Rhodes uh, got the title and turned it to the white belt. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And there was a freak out of like, they're going to do something with the IC title. Yes. Like, and, you know, of course never, ever happens, but you know, you hope that they see that Kevin Owens is something and that maybe this is something to develop and work on, but you know. Well, the only hope is that if Cena truly is going on hiatus for a while, that maybe you can have the IC belt fill in as the here's going to be our awesome wrestling match segment every week that the U.S. champion challenge was the first run through. Yeah, exactly. And that'd be that'd be a great move in my mind. And at least uh, one, one thing you can take solace in that Kevin Owens has been somewhat protected as well. If you look through his win-loss record, oh, yeah. he's a guy who I think has won. I think I think 13 out of his last 14 or something, something like that. I remember looking at it a few days ago. So he's not a guy like our, our stereotypical IC title guy who just takes pinfalls to the champion yeah. like on a weekly basis or whatever. The, so, the Wade Barrett reign. Yeah, exactly. Or Wade Barrett just loses to the, the WWE champion on a weekly basis. Wade Barrett basis. lost to Lillian forgets, Garcia. He <laughs> right, forgets the title. Like like there was a point. I, who was it? Oh, I think it was Dean Ambrose when he had the U.S. title where there was like four months where he just didn't even come out with the title and they're like who the hell's got that u.s title <laughs> like, Wh- whose reign do you think was more forgotten by the writers dean ambrose's u.s title reign or when uh kendrick and london held the tag belts for like oh man it's got to be the kendrick and london run, right <laughs> that one had to be a shocker to to vince and the the main writers when they found Wait, out about who? <laughs> what the hell what are these hippies <laughs> doing with my belts did they ever lose the titles like i don't even remember how that happened they did they just did like... at some point and God, I want to say it was so like London was like two years out of the company. They're like, God damn it. <laughs> I want to say it was to an awful team. Like, let's we got to fashions. Out. I'm looking this up. <laughs> yeah. London Kendrick tag titles. All right. Let's see what we got here. All right. The Brian Kendrick versus uh, Paul London. Let's see here. All right. Raw. Okay. Tag titles. This is this is great radio here. But <laughs> it's important, though. This is this is very important. They dropped it to Deuce and Down. Oh, <laughs> I just saw that. Noted draw Cliff Compton. Noted claw. Huge draw Cliff Compton. Yeah, that's wow. I, I can only assume the arena was packed, standing room to the gills. Yeah, when, so. when Cliffy was there. Yeah, you and I have gone to a show that you know Cliff Compton was just. There were twelve thousand people in the Frontier Field House that night, <laughs> and they all chanted Compton. Compton. The only reason Straight Out Compton did so much business at the box office is people it's because it was named this. after him. Yeah, they thought it was the Cliff Compton story, and 
they were all i was kind of disappointed by that yeah that was uh not as much too many black people i was hoping a lot more cliff compton but that's all right <laughs> too much too much hip-hop music and you know me i i have no have no need for that i, so. I don't need any of that snoopy the dog music <laughs> yeah, that's, that's snoop doggy dog i have no need for him or his his rap stylings of the doctor you mean, so uh yeah i believe you call it c rap <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. i'm a kurt because i'm clever <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah, with the lowercase c, it always had to be that. That was the the nineteen ninety nine ninety eight thing. It was like the 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 because that was always because like when Eminem, it was like that anti like corn those fans or whatever like the people that loved Eminem, like hated Eminem because he was all because you know that's when rap got mainstream is when Eminem got in there and then everybody had to you know get all mad at it. How, but how bad everything ever was late WCW when they have a gimmick song that actually starts getting radio play and they can't even capitalize on that. No. When their whole intention was for that, that team to be the, yeah, the, those the, are the, bad. the heels in the South. Let's, okay. Let, let's, <laughs> let's, let's run our promotion predominantly in the, in the, in the American South. Let's have a rap group headed up by master P um, and they will be the good guys against, and they'll just flaunt their money and how much they make. Cause I'm sure, uh, Southern, exactly. if there's one thing that Southern America loves, it's black people flaunting their wealth. <laughs> That's, that is, that is one thing. The American South is just so, so keen on is that, and let's have a, another duo of guys of established stars. Some of which have are like established WCW legends. We'll have them be the anti-rap group that love country music. And those will be our heels. I don't Perfect. see how this can fail. How could this go wrong? And then we have Swole. We're gonna give like two million dollars to Swole, so he can. Wasn't his contract seriously like four hundred thousand dollars supposedly? No, Swole made a ton of money. Yeah, Chris Harrington right now is doing a thing uh, where he's going through their uh, their pricing because there was a lawsuit uh, that went on. So he got all he got. He was able to get insights into like all of their um, all WCW's like financial filings or whatever. I haven't looked at Swole, but yeah, he was something like a his downside was like four hundred. Yeah, 000. I mean, I know, and, like, I know that that was in the uh, the Alvarez book was four hundred thousand. I, I believe that is the correct. I think figure. that sounds reasonable. I mean, that that's an insane. Like, good God, like Swole is is that like he's just a guy with muscles, and yeah. that's that. I mean, we we laugh at Vince McMahon and everything because he is out of touch and utterly insane and lives in a different world than the rest of us. But if a song that one of his people did started getting actual radio hits, how quickly would he be pumping that out, have it on iTunes, have the shirts made? Oh, yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, the, the rap is crap song would have been, there would have been a, it would have, he would have done it every week. We would have gotten very tired of it. But at the very least, they would have squeezed every drop of cash out of it that they could. Yeah, that, that's always the Vince thing. Is that we talk, we we kind of name it the subtlety hammer. Is that when something works and he senses that it works or something, he goes all out. He yeah. goes, okay, that is all your character is defined by now. You know, when AJ Lee does her little head nod and someone says, oh, that's that's cool, or that that you know that that then that's all she does. That's AJ Lee's entire character is defined by the fact that she bends her head every single time. Play her music fifteen times talk. per show. Yeah, exactly. We're just gonna play your music. You're gonna skip around. So <laughs> I. And then you're gonna nod your head and tilt your head like a dog every single second. So that that'll be that'll be perfect. So the AJ Lee story is 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 there. But yeah, so you'd have the subtlety hammer would be in, in no. I mean that thing would be on four times a show. The rapist crap guys would come out. It'd be dead in a month, like you oh, said. God, yeah. But at at least in that month, they would be as you said, sucking every dollar. They would have sold five hundred thousand t-shirts to every person watching south of the Mason Dixon line and to most of Indiana. <laughs> the, the part that still does uh, Eastern Standard Time, which 
Does. Okay, we'll move on to another uh, match here for the WWE Tag Team Championships. We have the New Day, uh, Big E, Kofi Kingston, and or Xavier Woods. We don't know, but I think I can probably safely assume it's going to be Big E and Kofi. The champions defending against the Dudley Boys, Bubba Ray and Devon. Uh, Sean, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, first off, I really think that we could have spent a lot more time talking about Kendall Wyndham. Because that is a True. severely underexplored podcast topic. But Rest in peace, correct? He, he killed himself, right? He did? Is he the one? Oh, Hi. No, maybe it wasn't Kendall Wyndham. Who was it? Don't Bobby Duncan. Oh, that's, that's right. Yeah. Dunkham. Sorry, I apologize right. to the estate of Kendall Wyndham, who are no doubt listening to this. I did not mean that. No. So well, he doesn't Bobby yet Duncan. have an estate, but <laughs> we do apologize to the Bobby Duncan estate and to Kendall Wyndham for not talking about you more. Yes, exactly. You should be okay. talked about. But yeah, that's how it's the new day. So you have to pretty much say a ten plus. How are they still good? You, you know, that's something that I really did not think that they could. Again, we talk about the WWE subtlety hammer, and they really haven't done it with this. They've sort of went over the top with them. But these guys are so good at doing it and so good at this character and so good at whatever the hell they're trying to do that it is still my favorite part. I, I, I honestly don't know when it's gonna when the time's going to come where I really don't think that they're funny. It's hard to imagine and, just because I, I just recently started watching the whole table for three thing on uh, the Oh, that's a great, great. Yeah. One of the underrated things. If you haven't watched those, go right now and watch Incredible it. show. Listen to this. Finish this and then go listen to that. And the New Day one, just hearing them talk and realizing the chemistry that they have in day-to-day life, you could see that as long as they're left off the leash for this angle, it can last for damn near as long as they want it to. And that's going to be the big thing is when, when it becomes overly scripted or whatever. And I, I, I wonder if there's going to be a point or if, there, if somebody finally said, you know what, just let them do this. Like, well, it's tough because where do you go with them other than just letting them exist as themselves? Because they're so unlike anything else on the show. Yeah. I mean, they're they're nothing. They live in an entirely different universe than everything else that's going on around them. And eventually, WWE has to put you into a box of some sort. So, are they going to be forced to become more serious and scary? Sorry for my bad attempt at a big E voice there. Are they going to just become the Santino act, where they have no actual credibility, but they're funny and have a trombone? I don't know what the, the, the line, what the progress line is for yeah. them. It's it's definitely interesting, and I think that's you know being different and being their own little thing is is you know well and good. But you said like they're protected too, and I think that's something that makes them so unique is that there is still a team that wins, and and you know it might just have to be a thing where they just they just exist like you said until the fans just eventually get tired of it or something or something's going to happen. Most likely, what'll happen in the Vince McMahon world is at some point he'll decide that they need to break up. That's that's. You know, tag teams and stables and groups exist for Vince McMahon to break them up and, and have a feud between them. You know, he used to be way better at it, and that feud would actually last a long time and propel another guy. But in recent times, it's just sort of they've decided well, they got to break up. There's no reason why. They just they have to. They got to, and they have to do their feud, and it'll be over in a month or whatever. So that's going to be, I think, what will finally happen with them. But you know what? It, it's... There's just I don't foresee a scenario where they're not going to be super over no. for a while. I mean, it's going to take a few months before people, and even then, I don't. They're so good at it. It's just like and they're always it, it's innovating them. it. And that's 
Yeah, and that's what you said. It's them. It's them being themselves, and that's like it's such a unique thing that that we scream to the high heavens about. What makes wrestling is so good is when these characters can just kind of be themselves in a lot of ways. And I think one of the things that's also interesting too, and I like this is something I really love about their characters and and their thing is that they're naive. And I love I love some good naiveness in my wrestling. You know, that's something I really miss with today's you know heels today are they're kind of wink wink nudge nudge and they know they're being bad and they know they're being evil and, and that sort of stuff i miss the days of a good old heel that just doesn't know any better that just thinks they're doing the right thing that that doesn't understand that you know and i feel like the new days that way they 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 think they live in a normal world they think that they're a normal crew right <laughs> but then the people are like like and and the, the whole crowd and the, and the way that the crowd reacts to them is similar too they you know the new day sucks thing and they they think it's like yeah okay like come on like i love that I, that's there's something i miss about that in wrestling like the spirit squad i always bring up as a team that i loved because they they were teams that that they didn't try to be cool to adapt to the fans and all that sort of stuff they just kind of said you know yeah that's what we are and and, and it was kind of fun and they they just kind of lived it, and they did the characters, and they sort of didn't understand why the crowd booed them. It's like well, we're doing a great routine. Why are you booing us? Like, like that's old. That's what I love about wrestling and heels. That's the best part of heels that are like, well, no, I won the match. Like I'm trying to win. Like yeah, I used a, you know a, a foreign object, but who cares? You know that that's good heels. Like not the I'm evil to be evil sort of heel that we get so often now in today's wrestling. All all heels in WWE have to be either overly manipulative or giant cowards yeah exactly and the over the overly manipulative ones are the ones that really get at me because and that's like i always bring up edge as an example when i bring you know and i have this rant or whatever and i enjoyed edge a lot but his stuff there was just sort of a he was just evil to be evil he was just always plotting and planning and doing that sort of stuff and and that's fun to an extent but at some point i just like a guy who thinks he's doing the right thing but the fans know he's not there can only and he's just so you know, sort of naive to that and just only worried about himself and only worried about what he's doing that he can't fathom and, and play this game with other people or whatever. Cause I think that does a better job of building up baby faces as well. The manipulative heel does a really shitty job because then you got faces that look like idiots, heels, fellow heels that look like idiots. And you know, that's, that's the microcosm of the upper card of, of WWE right now. in in a lot of ways with the Seth Rollins and the authority and that sort of stuff. So I, I think also with the new day and going back to the concept of teams breaking up, when the whole shield breakup happened, Seth Rollins went off and joined the authority. So he had his niche and they split Dean and Roman off as two as the two good guys. And we all know how well that worked for the first year. Quite or so, well, <laughs> which is why we exceedingly well, <laughs> why we speak of the great Roman Reigns title reign of 2015. Of course, we'll never forget it. But the thing that got Dean over for a long time until they neutered that part of him was that he seemed like a real human being who existed in a world outside. Like there was something beyond the arena for Dean Ambrose. Mm -hmm. He knew that there were things happening around him and he was part of that world. Whereas most of the people in WWE are like the twilight zone episode with the uh, five char- the five characters in search of an exit episode of twi- of the old Twilight Zone. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 They're they're in this little box, and that's their entire universe. Like Rusev and Lana and Summer Rae and Dolph. It seemed like there was nothing that ever happened between them unless they were inside a building where WWE was working at that time. And then next they'd they'd all go away for a week, and then next week they'd come back on Monday and they'd progress where they were. 
nothing, it's hard to get invested in things that are so obviously characters and so detached from reality that, you know, at that point, it's like rooting for someone on a sitcom. And while I know WWE wants to tell stories and be a variety show, if I'm not seeing a human being, a good one, a bad one, either way, there's a limit to how much I can invest in it, especially when you start asking me to give you money for it. Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, and that's, of course, is going to, you know, turn into a, a much bigger discussion if we wanted to. We won't do that today. But yeah, absolutely. I think it, it, it rings true of of the people and, and we've written about it on the site. And I think what's one of the big topics, I think every single column writer on, on this website sort of agrees when we talk about WWE is that these people existing in a universe outside of the arena doors or whatever arena that they're going to. That's the important thing. That's the hook. That's it. I mean, there, there of course, were characters that got over in the past. You know, a guy like The Undertaker yeah. that always sort of seemingly was only there for the arena. But if you look at a lot of the bigger guys and the bigger stars or whatever, they had lives outside of the ring. And that's that's what makes people more compelled what happens in the ring and what, you know, and the characters and, and the people. And, and that's that's it. I mean, that's that's what it is. And I think a lot of that, the New Day sort of carries over. And I think you can sort of... Understand the new day, even though they're weird and over the top and crazy or whatever, when you see them interact, you know, in real life and you follow them on Twitter or whatever, it's very similar to how they react there. So you're almost kind of like these guys are just kind of goofballs that come to this arena and do this or whatever every so often. Like that's that's perfectly okay. Whereas some guys get so detached from what they really are. Like a guy like Seth Rollins is, you know, if you follow him on Twitter, you knew anything about him. He's a very, you know, soft spoken guy. He's very, you know, you know, he has. You know, he has little traits here and there that, that that irks some people and whatnot, but he's very appreciative of his past. Like, you know, he's very, you know, want to sort of mention a lot of his stuff that he grew up, you know, AW and how he get, you know, Ring of Honor and that sort of stuff. He, he'll put mention that on Twitter all the time. He'll mention his training company that he does, you know, with Merrick Brave in, in Iowa or whatever and that sort of stuff that that he does. And then you see this character and it's just nothing. It, it, it's nothing like the guy that we know that Seth Rollins actually is in real life. And it's such a detachment. And it's so weird that this is the way they've decided to tell their stories when, you know, wrestling has always been so much better at telling the stories of the guy, you know, kind of being the same sort of dude in and out of the ring. And and that's, you know, not maybe not in the 60s and the 70s or whatever that was going on. But for baby faces, it was, you know, maybe not the heels, but it, it's something that's really, really worked lately. And and more so than now in 2015 and in this age and the social media age, it's so important to just have these guys be humanized. Like, come on. And it's not like you need to make a great shift. You don't need to turn Seth Rollins into, Hey guys, want to come watch me do CrossFit? He can still be. That's a good heel gimmick. Well, though. yeah. <laughs> he wanted to do that. I mean, a guy who constantly talks about CrossFit could be a very good heel. gimmick. I, I would pop for body Donna's 2015, where they just <laughs> tell you about CrossFit all the time. And, they break into other people's interviews and relate things to a CrossFit story. They, 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 they come out in the middle of a promo and they're just like, dude, I had the hardest wad today. <laughs> oh, that did not sound good. I'm sorry. That did not sound good. A workout of the day is what uh, he meant. But, but they use wad. They use wad. But yeah. That's... What's a workout of the day? <laughs> sorry. You mean, are you asking me? Oh, <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> oh sorry. I, 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 my brain is permanently disfigured by raw. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. But yeah, but... you can make a Seth Rollins who is more of a human. He's a decent guy who finally got the thing he wants and he's scared to lose it. So he's willing to do anything to keep this thing that he spent his entire life striving for. 
you could still have him be just as snotty, just as sniveling, just as cowardly, and sadly, just as much of a tool of the authority. But you have to use a slightly finer brush in storytelling. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I, that could seriously be a podcast that never ends. Yeah, so what we, we won't do, we'll do we can just rotate we... in people. <laughs> yeah, we can go. We can go nine hours with that, and just every hour have a different person come here and then and mention fact, that. We'll just but, have uh... a constant stream forever. It'll just <laughs> be a constant ongoing podcast. We'll... It's true. It never ends. Like, a podcast that literally never ends. Exactly. Yeah, it's just a constant. Someone jumps in. Someone jumps off. I go to bed. You fill in. Like it'd be perfect. It'll, it's, it'll work v- great. It's VOW radio. Yes, exactly. It's just a, a terrestrial radio that just never ends of us complaining about character development in <laughs> WWE, but which would be fantastic. I'm sure we would probably do pretty well, actually. Yeah, so advertising I, I, sales. It was through the roof. Uh, New Day, Dudley Boys, WWE Tag Team Championships. What do you got for this one? In our ten. zero out of ten game. Ten, it's the New Day. It, it is the New Day. I got to go nine. Yeah, I mean, you can't, it's the fucking new day. You can't on. hate on like, the New Day. And as an old ECW mutant, I will always be entertained by the Dudley boys. Yeah, they don't do much for me. They do it for me because, to me, they're a very stable base. They know tag team wrestling so well. They know how to do a, for lack of a better term, a proper old-school tag match well. They know when to get heat. They know when to when to take the beating. They know when to make their comeback. They're just solid as hell at tag team wrestling. The the biggest key for them is just that they don't win the title. No, no, I think no. for me that that's as long as they can kind of stay away and just sort of be this team that builds up other teams. I'm cool, but the the the, the second they decide, hey, we need these guys to be our tag team champions no. or whatever, then if they're ever champs start to, for yeah. anything more than a transition like a day or a week, that makes no damn sense. They're they're so beyond needing belts at this point. I mean, if you want to give them like a one day reign just so that they can top whatever milestone they're currently at and then transition to belts to someone, fine, but. That's yeah. A multi-month Dudley Boys reign with the titles is nobody needs. Twenty fifteen is a terrible, terrible idea. All right, WWE Divas Championship. We got Charlotte defending her title against Nikki Bella. <laughs> what is the build then to this? Have I? I must have completely missed it. Well, Charlotte won the title, and since then, Nikki mm-hmm. Bella has been pinning people repeatedly and hasn't lost. And I think she's pinned Charlotte at least once. So, so classic build then. Exactly, okay. pure WWE build. The Divas Revolution is continuing a pace no stopping i this is making me sad yeah it's, it's everything it's okay. about this is just sad i so I take it this isn't a 10 for no, you no no i mean wrestling wise it might crawl up to like a five maybe if nikki bella decides to work hard and if she's winning the belt since she's kind of got a bit of that uh I know everyone used to say you could always tell if CM Punk was winning or losing on the indies because his match yeah. was so much better if he was winning. <laughs> right, right. I, I think that changed over the years, but Nikki Bella definitely has a a good amount of that in her. If it's a she's winning, she'll pull out all the stops and really work, which could get it up to okayish. And now, do you, you know, who do you think is actually winning this one? Because that's an interesting one. I hadn't really thought of Nikki Bella winning this match, but is that a real possibility in your mind i could see it happening just because i think they're already seeing that the whole charlotte thing isn't working out and the only angle that seems like it could have any legs right now would be nikki versus sasha banks 
Correct. Yeah. Right. Right. And that that's that's the one thing that I, I feel like it's a little early for the Charlotte thing. I do think that's in in due time is going to sort of move on. Um, at least to Nikki Bella, which with Sasha being the, the main sort of baby face face of the, yeah. the Divas Revolution, but. Right now, it seems so, so soon, but man, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that really, I mean, Charlotte's pretty well done then for a while yeah. if that happens, I mean, right? You could protect her. I mean, you've that's the good thing. You've got so much outside crap you can pull into the match that you could still protect her and let her exist as kind of a phantom challenger on the outside, trying to get her rematch. And then you have the three ways with Nikki and Sasha and Charlotte and... But yeah, it would not surprise me to see them just cut bait here and move it back to Nikki Bella. That's interesting. So uh, zero out of ten. What do you give him this match then? Four. Okay, but could be a five. Work the, the work could get up to a five, but the mere existence of the Divas Division at this point is so sad that it has to drop it a little. Yeah, I'm at a four with you as yeah. well. So that's that's yeah, it's <laughs> it's there. They have the pieces, but they just have no idea what to do with the pieces. They just they opened up the puzzle and they just threw out all the pieces and went hmm. Ah, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, never mind. Let's just go do this again. <laughs> like let's go, let's, let's go back to this cup and ball. This is fun. <laughs> like, let's, let's make a puzzle all right cool yeah here we go yeah no, never mind. this is too hard let's just let's just play couple. the problem is they've taken right. two jigsaw puzzles poured all the pieces together and now they're trying to assemble it in one that's true yeah they were like let's get this eiffel tower one and this corvette let's see what we can do uh whatever apparently it does not make a transformer when you do that <laughs> yeah, yeah unfortunately all right open challenge for the u.s title your guy john cena the champion defending against old tbd Who's your prediction for uh, to be announced, to be decided? I, I must have missed something. I don't remember anyone named TBD. Um, I was trying to make did, a joke. I can't. Did he, did he debut last week? Uh, Brian Danielson. <laughs> oh. You never thought of that, did you? No, I didn't. But man, would that. I didn't either until just now when I was trying to figure out things. TBD. That, be, <laughs> that would make it good. I want to be excited because theoretically John Cena should lose this match. Yeah, so John Cena is is as again you know theoretically going to be gone for a little while, uh, taking a little bit of a hiatus to do some other stuff. So you pretty much have the prediction that he's going to lose here, and I think everyone it's a safe prediction in this sense. So that's why it's getting a little tough to figure out who it's going to be because whoever this is, they're the U.S. champion now, exactly. whoever that is. And people have mentioned a few names. You have anybody in mind that you've you've considered? I really don't. I mean, there's no one. Unless you're gonna bring up Finn, but that seems like a like not the right time for that, really. Yeah. There's I don't know, is Sami Zayn's not ready to return yet, so scratch him out. I can't really think they they debuted Tyler Breeze in a completely different angle, so I don't think you're gonna see him make He's he's been a name I've seen a few times, but that doesn't make any sense for me. No, I, I don't I can't imagine that. I don't think he has that sort of NXT credibility the way that the other guys who've come up have. No. How about this guy? I don't know if you were gonna mention him. How about Braun Strowman? I could see that. Could definitely we'll see mention that. him. As 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 a guy who A can can win that title and they could sort of give him I mean that I mean I Ideally, I would not have this man in single no. matches for your your second highest title. But you know, I'm not the one running the company. But then you also have the idea that then they can sort of he can attack John Cena or really lay him out yeah. and then build up that injury angle because you know you're not going to have Tyler Breeze hit the un- you know whatever his exactly. blanking finisher or whatever. Uh, it's almost at the unprettier, and I do not believe <laughs> it's, it's that at all. But I'm terrible with finishers. But uh, um, uh, the beauty shot, the beauty shot oh, yeah. says. 
do that and then John Cena's out for like, you know, three months or whatever. You know, that doesn't really make sense. You need something where he gets beat down or he gets destroyed or something like that happens. And it makes sense for a guy like a Braun Strowman. I don't know who else it makes sense for. I'm going to go. Here's a thought. Just a fantasy booking angle that I know is not going to happen. But how awesome would it be if it was Kevin Owens? Yeah. Owens comes in, wins the U.S. belt, retains the IC belt gets to strut around for a month or two with both belts and act like a jackass to everybody. He can hit the apron power bomb. If you want to write Cena out for a while. I mean that I could, yeah, then maybe Sammy Zane's the one that comes there. back. Yeah. There and then, you, uh, you know, obviously he's not that close right now. We don't know the exact timetable, but then maybe you have a scenario where Sammy Zane's the guy who comes and, and wins the title from, you know, Kevin Owens and, and or something. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. That, that's an interesting one. I kind of think it's I, I I was hearing Strowman and I kind of like that one, but then the more I think about it, I was like, man, they really think that that guy can handle the U.S. title. Like that's you know, it wouldn't that's a tall timber, me, especially that's... if you assume that for the next couple months it's going to be more of a storyline angle piece rather than like the wrestling match title. Yeah, but I had a good run. Y- you know, Definitely. Vince gets weird ideas. Yeah, you, you if never. He's know. decided that Braun Strowman is a thing then it could very easily by golly Braun Strowman's gonna be a thing exactly (laughs) he will arm choke everybody into oblivion and will to be fair we haven't had a really good fat guy champion no I like I like I like big fat guys I I like Braun Strowman actually I I really do I I really think he I'm a big big fan of of a guy especially when they do it well and you know he's not great yet he's still very green but he's good at being just kind of a big oaf and I I like big oafs a lot in in my wrestling I love big oafs I just don't know that like you said, I don't know that he should be someone who's in a main event level feud on his yeah. own. Yeah, that's that's only I because don't know if he's it also that. elevates him in a lot of ways than over Wyatt. Exactly. Yeah, and that's the other thing that you look at too is like he jumps right there and it's like okay, well this guy's got the second biggest title now in the entire. So then yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of weirdness there that that's be funny. Yeah, I, I don't have a good prediction who this is going to be. I think no. Strowman's a good one. I like your Owens one, but I'm kind of open and that's yeah. I, that's why I'm going to put my interest level at about an eight yeah. because I just legitimately do not know who this is going to be and and I have the idea of course that that Cena is going to lose this match. So I'm I'm very interested to see who it's going to be and and you know what the future direction of the U.S. title is. So yeah, I'm going to go eight here oh, yeah. for this match. This could definitely also be any of the guys. From the dark match, could totally see Ziggler or Cesaro jumping in. Could see them doing another Neville match, but I can't see him winning the belt. Heck, maybe they could start rebuilding Rusev if they've decided that he that it's all Lana's fault. Yes, yeah. So yeah, I'd say that match. The intrigue of it has me at about an eight. Cool. Yeah, that's that's it's because it's, it's it going to be, be a good match. John Cena yeah, exactly. on, tape, on a network special is always. Going to work his ass off, and he's he knows how to build something that looks like an epic match. Exactly. Well, speaking of a match that most likely won't be very epic, unfortunately, WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Huh. If Demon Kane loses, Corporate Kane will be fired from being director of operations. It is Seth Rollins defending his title versus Kane. I got to get like a one. I'm sorry. I don't even know if I could go that. The only intrigue for me is really how they weasel out of it. I mean, that there's so many different ways they could, but it's really a question of who's going to interfere and how that's going to set things up for the next month or so. There's no... And that's, and that's what, what, what Joe and I go on so much about with, with, with these main events and with the Seth Rollins storyline. I wrote about it, too, in, in, in doing a little statistical look at Seth Rollins' you know, title reign is that the whole thing is 
it's gotten to that point where we sort of laughed. Remember we laughed about WCW yeah. in 1998 that the main event of Nitro, half the crowd is just looking at the entranceway going, okay, who's going to interfere? That's what these are. That's all these authority matches is you just know that it's just not going to be – the match itself, I mean the first 10 minutes of the match is completely worthless because you're just waiting for what's going to happen, who's going to screw who, who's going to come out, who's going to interfere, how is he going to weasel. It's it's such a destructive and weird way to build your world champion that, yeah. that I just – it makes no sense to me. It's just so weird. They, they might and as Kane. well. Why is Kane in my main event? Why is Kane going for the title? God. Kane's main eventing in 2015. God. Which again, to put in perspective, he – was around at WrestleMania in 1998. So that's 17 years ago. That would be like if Pedro Morales was main eventing a pay-per-view in 1998. Right. Pedro Morales versus superstar Billy Graham. Yeah, that's at Over the Edge 98. Yeah. Yeah. Which, to be fair, that probably would have made the Attitude Era even bigger. (laughs) Right, or a a random Flash Funk match involved in their Flash Funk versus Pedro Morales could have uh, definitely done some good numbers. Val Venus and Pedro Morales. But yeah, I mean, you got to put that into context. And I think that's the important thing that I think some people have done. And, and, and I'm glad you did that there too, is, is really look at this timeline. Like it's, it's ridiculous. It's superstar Billy Graham and Pedro Morales in 1998. Like wrap your head around that. He's, he's been around for over half of the time covered in the back to the future timeline. <laughs> and I mean, we now have prototypes for self-tying shoes and Kane that is still yeah, that's... in a main event. Yeah. And I enjoy the Kane character. I I liked the I love the corporate Kane goofiness. It's the kind of absurdist dadaist crap that makes the show fun for me. Kane getting HR evaluations brings me more entertainment than it should, but there's just no reason on earth that Kane should be around, and even more so the fact that, oh my God, I just realized I'm now dreading a big show running. Yeah. Which oh, leads God. to a Kane big show feud. Oh, Jesus, don't do this to me. Why are you doing this? It's, it seems inevitable. Don't do this. I mean, who else could interfere in this match? Don't do this. <laughs> You're right, but don't do this. <laughs> hey, I'm the one who's coming back to Raw in a couple of weeks. We've got to have to. You're out of your goddamn mind. <laughs> you are an idiot. You are just a fool. So uh, we'll move on to these. The final two matches here. I don't know the exact match order here, but uh, we got two Hell in a Cell matches. I'd imagine one of these is pretty early in the mat, in the show, maybe possibly the opener. Uh, of course, that'll probably be Roman Reigns versus Bray Wyatt. I think we know what our main event's going to be. But anyway, Roman Reigns, Bray Wyatt in a Hell in a Cell match. Does it just feel like this just doesn't need to be in a cell? This reminds me of that, that went back in the day when they just used to when they had the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, and it was sort of the forced, we, you know, these guys have to be in a cell because there's a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view coming up. They've been good about sort of building stuff towards the Hell in a Cells, you know, in the previous years. This one, though, man, why is Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt in a Hell in a Cell? Haven't you, just weird. Haven't you been awed by the intensity of their feud? I mean... <laughs> Where they talked. Bray Wyatt put up an entire room full of pictures of Roman Reigns. Come on. Yeah. If, I mean... Did he, he kidnapped his daughter a few months ago. He, Do we... We don't really care. Did they? Did the daughter ever get returned or no? I I don't remember. Okay. I'm assuming well, that she's still living with the Wyatts. And then there's you know. I mean that's probably okay because Luke Harper seems like he'd be very nurturing. Oh, absolutely. There actually are photos that I've seen of Luke Harper raising his children, which is the greatest thing ever. Is like Luke Harper at the like the 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 park like swinging his kid on the swing set. Like how many nine one one calls have been made of like oh my god like. Like, cause he has to look like that. That's the thing that I, I, once I was telling Michelle or whatever, she was like, oh, he looks ridiculous and all that sort of stuff. And I said, the best thing to ever think about when you look at wrestlers is that these people have to exist in real life. <laughs> like Luke Harper has to go to the store and like that beard can't go away. Like that, that's, that's a thing. 
Like the Undertaker is the Undertaker. Like guys with like blonde hair and like mullets and long hair, like they they look like that in real life. Like to be fair, most of the time they think they look good. I well, that's that's the thing that I would yeah. That's, that's yeah. As a up. as a formerly large bearded fellow, I, I I understand the looks of distrust sometimes and <laughs> slight disdain that people give you when you're out and about. It it wasn't always convenient, and I I hope that the beardism in this country is. Something we will get past in this generation. But, I feel like we have. But yeah. It's I, been a good year for the beer. It's been a good few years for the beer. It has I think, been. I think everyone's pretty good. I miss my... You were late to the party, though. You, were, you, you had a beard when it was still creepy. Oh, but, yeah. I, but now you got rid of it. Now it's it's accepted. Well, see, it got too popular, so I had to move on to the next thing. You're, you're a beard hipster. The next yeah. thing, clean shaven. Shocking. Totally clean shaven. Oh, what shaven. was it? It's the next thing. Oh, that's... Yeah, okay. Just like razor, like, like go to the barber and get, you know, the... Get a strip, or do you, you do it with razor. a knife? Yeah, <laughs> you do it with a knife with if, water soap and a knife at work. They're like, oh my god! If you've never had a proper good barber straight razor shave, I, I have highly never. recommend them. There, hmm, okay, I'll also give it a try. I, I've never, I've never done it. So. Yeah, they're a very, it's a very nice experience. I, 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 I can't, I can't recommend it enough. Get a good proper old fashioned barber to work on you. Okay, well that that sounded weird too. But we'll move on. So, uh, oh, sorry, entry uh, entry level. Roman Reigns, Bray Wyatt. They had a, a thrilling sit down discussion on Monday to get you uh, hyped up for this one. This is this is the saddest feud of the year. This feud has just been in. I wanted end. <laughs> Nothing has happened. No one has gained. No one has lost. It seriously has just been six months of these two marking time. Going through the motions, Roman Reigns is still mildly over at best. Bray Wyatt is still making the same gaspy speech he's been making for the last few years. Only now he's doing it against someone who the crowd really doesn't give a damn about. What has been the point of any of this? Why has this feud happened? Why is it still happening? And what is anyone possibly going to gain from it? Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like nobody has done anything. We we mentioned that numerous times about Bray Wyatt. Is it, look at his history and look at the feuds he's been in. Nobody benefits from a feud with Bray Wyatt. No. Zero. Nobody. The only person who gained anything from dealing with Wyatt was probably that couple of week stretch where Daniel Bryan was there, just because the moment when he broke away was another yeah huge pop moment for him, and it and that had so little to do with Bray Wyatt. Yeah, exactly. It, it makes sense as well is that he was just sort of a. a, a a pawn in that entire game of, of, of Daniel Bryan sort of breaking away from them. But yeah, I'll give you that one. That that was one, but I, I would contend that he really had such a little part. That's that's probably the feud he had the littlest part oh, yeah. in. That was that, you know, of course, his most successful one. So Singles. yeah, I, I gotta go like a four on this match. I, yeah. I just cannot get too excited about it. There's nothing to get excited about. You know, somehow someone's gonna get into the cell. No, really? <laughs> the only question no, is whether there. or not it's Braun Strowman like pulling the gate off or if it's gonna be magic teleportation. Could be a hologram too. I guess that's the intrigue is that at least you know with uh, with <laughs> Bray Wyatt with Bray Wyatt in a cell, anything could happen. <laughs> yeah, you you never really know who's going to interfere, what it's going to look like, and and all that sort of stuff. So that's that's one of the fun things you got there. But yeah, I mean, and, and especially the, the thing that I'm especially worried about is this is just not going to be a good match. You know, oh, no, it's going to be a horrible match. 
It's just it hits. And 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 why it's uh, Roman Reigns rather has had some okay matches this year. I mean, I, I'll I'll get it. He's had a lot of really good pay per view matches, yeah. some solid TV matches, that sort of stuff. Putting him in a cell with Bray Wyatt though, whew, that's not going to be good. Like him and Bray are oil and water. They just do not work well together. And even Bray has had some okay matches as well. Yeah. But these two, for Both whatever guys. reason, just awful both guys can work when they're given someone to lead them who has more talent than them in the ring right now but these two together has proven itself to just be endlessly boring yeah and when you add a cell i mean you're guaranteed at least a half an hour you know what i mean like you're gonna get 25 minutes to a half an hour easy like no doubt and it's just gonna be a it's just gonna be awful like it there's just no way it's good like i i just i can't comprehend in my mind we're going oh my god that match way exceeded my expectations i I just i it's just not gonna be that and it's um, in la so the crowd is just gonna be dead to begin with because la crowds tend to be yeah la crowds suck but of course let's give them major pay-per-views all the time yeah exactly i mean as opposed to hey in chicago we've gotten like extreme rules <laughs> Every year. Yes, I'm bitter about this. Give us a Royal Rumble. I just want a goddamn Royal Rumble. Oh, I know. Show. I wish to ask. I would pay. I would pay big money to get a proper Rumble here. I just want a Rumble. I don't even care if it's a good Rumble because there's really not a bad Rumble. It's like pizza. Every any Rumble, even a terrible Rumble, is still pretty good. Exactly. Even the '99 Rumble was still fun to watch. That. Oh my God! What an abortion that was. <laughs> you and I reviewed that for our, when we did the Rumble Rewind. Man, that was. I'll never forget the best moment ever is you, you saying. You know what would make this really better if all of a sudden like an ambulance pulled up and Austin got out of it or whatever. <laughs> and of course, like like and I I completely forgot that that happened. And I think you did oh, as yeah. well. Like generally, like oh that would make this really fun or whatever. And then like not two seconds after that happened, an ambulance just speeds up and Austin comes barely out of there or whatever. It's just so so good. And oh the my sad God. thing is, I would still trade that moment for about ninety nine percent of everything that's happened on Raw this year. Yeah, it's yeah. Steve, that is my least favorite year in, in WWE nineteen ninety nine, but yeah. still. Steve Austin driving is still better than pretty much everything they put out this year. <laughs> Well, you know, you talked about a guy who exists out of that world is Steve Austin. You sort of got an idea, even though he was this sort of over the top character. He was a guy that, you know, Tuesday through, you know, Sunday would just kind of do other stuff. You kind of assume that this guy just hunted, went to his thing and then like was sort of pissed off that when he got to the arena, this sort of shit was happening to him. And like, you know, he and Vince McMahon was a guy who went to board meetings and that sort of stuff, even though he's an evil character. The Rock was a guy who who had expensive cars and did this sort of stuff. But again, they existed out of this world. And and Austin was so good at doing that and so good at showing that perception that he was a it's just a God. Somehow a guy who was earning more than anyone ever. In, in during his time is like oh yeah i'm just a dude who hunts and fishes and drinks beer right and okay and i can dig that guy exactly and then when you know in real life that stone cold hunts fishes and drinks exactly beer, he it, just it. does it in vehicles that you can't afford with guns you probably can't afford and uh right. drinking beer you can afford apparently because yes. he has bad taste and everything like that I, he's gotten better his, his beer has gotten better it's not steve weiser's anymore i see uh i see now he he drinks like he'll drink like craft beer or whatever which is pretty good <laughs> now that's what i want to see i want to see them throwing growlers at steve Austin <laughs> right? when he's on the turnbuckle <laughs> or he's he drinks like three like high high volume like ipas and and <laughs> you know five minutes and then he's just like sitting there on the corner like oh god like this, <laughs> i'm because like yeah anybody can eat drink like six budweiser's in a minute like that's not a problem but yeah like Drinking like a high volume IPA and he's just like, oh boy, like an eight percenter, and he's just like, oh boy. I, I, I assume that it would probably be a bad TV if he's sitting there, gets a bottle, and he's debating between like a tulip glass or. Yeah, he's like, oh man, <laughs> which one is going to bring out the the? He, he sloshes the it around sourness. a little bit too. <laughs> the uh, 
the, the Steve Austin craft beer hour would be awesome. I think that should be a network. Show. network show. Yeah, again, the network should. There should be ten thousand shows on the network. Just just random shit. Just find a wrestler, throw a dart against the board, and then yeah, whatever that is, he he does. How it, they so. never had Dusty Rhodes driving school is be. Oh my god, him and Finn Balor in the car. I would Would you not watch like a four hour show of that? I I would I would probably be fired because I would be watching it like on work <laughs> like, and be like yeah. These... Like so obviously watching it at work, like full screen, just lean back oh, and yeah. just like, hey, baby, I told you to take a left. That's a right. Like, what are you doing? There should also be a show on the network that is just everyone coming in every week and telling Dusty Rhodes stories. Yes. In Dusty Rhodes, fake ass. Like, seriously, well. just every week, get four, get four new people and let them tell Dusty Rhodes stories for an hour. Yeah. I would that would make my nine ninety nine worth it. Absolutely. We'll get to the main event here, which hopefully will make your mind 99 worth it for the month of October. The Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar, Hell in a Cell. What are your thoughts here? What do you got in this match? Very low. I I hate but it. But you cannot kill what's already been dead. I I know. And the show just keeps staggering on like the zombie that it is this Monday Night Raw. But I thought the last match was awful. I yeah, didn't, I didn't like care that. for it. And I thought that it made Lesnar look like crap. But at least the Undertaker turned heel. Until last week when it seemed like he was the face again. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. I, I really thought, and that's that's I was interested because I, I didn't like the match. I was with you. I hated, 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 hated that match. But then I sort of had the intrigue of, hmm, this is interesting because I believe Undertaker's going heel here. Because you know, you know, he does the low blow, he yeah. sort of wins by nefarious means. Brock Lesnar looks like yeah, he's been whiny. You know, the whole the whole buildup to this facing Brock Lesnar is he's being a whiny little baby because he lost clean and he's not happy about it and that sort of stuff. And and everything sort of makes sense for for Brock to be a face and Undertaker to be this kind of bitter, weird heel or whatever. And they just they didn't do it. They never followed up on it. And and I, I guess you know again I worked myself into a shoot of saying oh that's that's why he low blowed him and that's why he was a dickhead and that's why you know he he did this and he did that or whatever and and none of it happened. It was like well yeah I was I you know in any other world a guy who who's a whiny little baby baby that uses low blows and, and roll-ups to win wouldn't be, you know, a, a top baby face. But, you know, here we are. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's unique. And, yeah, that, that really hurts my, you know, my, my thoughts on this. And that's why I just don't know if I'm going to really like this match at all. I just don't. It doesn't, it, it, there's a certain level of brutality you can have with The Undertaker. Like, what, what they did at SummerSlam was so far beyond what I thought they were capable of doing yeah. with Taker. I just don't see that they can do that again. I just don't think... Undertaker can withstand, you know, Brock Lesnar throwing him on his head eight times in a match or ten times in a match. Like he just, I don't think he can do it, and I'm sure, I'm sure he knows he can do it too. So it, it you're left with again, like who's going to interfere? What nefarious means are going to happen? What's going to happen? Because there's just no way I see it being just a clean match unless Brock just goes in there and absolutely destroys him, which would be fun. But I, I just, I, I don't see it. If they didn't have a hundred thousand seat stadium that they need to fill next March. And I could legitimately think that this was the Undertaker's true last stand, that he is going to just be murdered the way that Lesnar murdered Cena at SummerSlam. Then my intrigue would be high for this match because I would be like, well, how do you, what do you do from there at that point? But as it is, they have to keep Lesnar strong because he's going to be one of the big names that's selling that card. You have to keep The Undertaker strong because he's going to be one of the big names, especially since Dallas still seems to love The Undertaker. So neither guy, someone's going to have to find a banana peel. Yeah. Someone's going to have to come out of this with a win that's fluky, and it's going to make no sense since this has to be the rubber match. 
I I just don't see how you get anywhere good with this. I worry, like you said, honestly, if my intrigue factor, like watching a NASCAR race, it would be high because you never know I might see someone get into a crash. Seeing Undertaker wrestle at this point is hard to watch, yeah. especially against someone like Brock Lesnar. I don't. It's hard to enjoy watching it when you're like, is he going to legitimately be able to keep moving? I mean, I, well, I mean, somebody could Undertaker could actually die in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's at least one thing. If you want to, if you, if you have some morbid curiosity there is that if he says, Hey, yeah, throw me on my, you know, back. I mean, this is a guy who's taken so many bumps in his life is that you get this sort of that. That's like at summertime, I was cringing every single time. Cause I had the, the, the visions of Masao and I'm like, Oh my God, like, yeah. like this guy cannot do that. And like, the guy is just, he's, he's not of age to be taking this sort of stuff. Like, like even Cena, I cringe when Cena was doing it. I'm like, dude, you're going to hurt yourself, let alone this guy who's had so many bumps. I mean, that bump card has just so much punch on it. Like, it, it's it's unbelievable how. So I I, I just can't fathom it, it, it. It's like that, and and just you know what you sort of understand with the Hell in a Cell match, and of course that that sort of concept is gone. The, the what you know, the brutal, the bloodbath, the you know, hardcore stuff. That stuff's sort of gone in a Hell in a Cell match, and that's okay. But you know, it just can't be a straight wrestling match with the cage around it. You know, there's got to be something more here, and I just don't know if there can be anything more. I think it's going to be a lot of smoke and mirrors, maybe literally smoke and mirrors <laughs> in some cases with The Undertaker. So, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go to about a six just because anything with Brock Lesnar has me at least a little intrigued, though it, it's starting to wane a little bit more and more. I'm starting to get – I didn't think I was going to get to this point, but it's been a while now where you're just sort of – he's becoming a little too normal in my mind. I think this Undertaker feud especially is, has hurt him. That's That's been my main complaint is Brock Lesnar should not – I don't care how supernatural and everything that the dead man is. Brock Lesnar should not be losing to a man who's 50 years old. Right. He should take a man who's 50 years old and pull off one of his old arms and beat him to death with it. That's what a Brock Lesnar should do. But the Undertaker at this point, it's hard when you hear about how after every match that he has seemingly now, he's near death, it sounds like. Right, yeah. It's... There's and that realistically saps some of my enjoyment. I know everything that's happening hurts like hell and that these guys are going to have to live with it the rest of their lives, every bump that they take. But you can ignore that to some degree when watching with The Undertaker. It's something that is so present, yet it's not acknowledged at all, really. Mm-hmm. There's nothing about his actions, his moveset, the way that the match is structured that acknowledges the obvious fact that this man is on his last toe of his last leg. And if they were to somehow built, if they had built on that, it could have been a fascinating story to me. Yeah. And that's what I thought the heel thing was going to be is him sort of saying, Hey, look, and, and actually it, 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 it'd be a pseudo heel, but it might actually turn on baby face yeah. in some ways is, is him saying, Hey, look, you know, I, I had to use a low blow and that sort of stuff. Cause Brock Lesnar is better than me. And I'm an old man. Like I'm 50, you know, whatever you sort of, you strip a little bit of the mystique of the undertaker in that sense, which is fine. I think it's sort of, it's paper at this point. I don't think people are going to care if he comes out to smoke and that sort of stuff. No. That's just and kind he of still the undertaker. Can. Everyone will love the end. Exactly. Right. It doesn't matter that because he talks like a real human being at some point and goes, look, you know, I'm, I'm 50, whatever years old. I can't beat Brock Lesnar in a straight wrestling match. 
I need to use nefarious means. And if you don't like that, well, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. You know, I'm here trying. And you can say, like you said, I'm on my last leg. I'm on the last toe of my last leg. And I want to, you know, I want to win my final matches in this company. I don't know when my last match is going to happen. So, you know what? Yeah, I have to use low blows. I have to use roll ups. I have to use nefarious means to do it. You know, just be honest with us. We're right. seeing it. Like you said, we, we're seeing that. But yet we, he comes out and you go, oh, you cannot kill what has already been dead. And, and the same stuff that we just heard over and over and over again. And it's just there's no basis in reality of it. And the shame of it is having built to a hell in a cell, you could have had such a perfect ending for that i'm going to go into my match that i'm the king of and i can use anything in this match i can throw everything at you and i'm going to leave everything i have in this in the cell and i'm going if i have to i will die to beat you brock lesnar you could have made a hell of a story that a does turn lesnar towards heel if you want makes The Undertaker a sympathetic baby face for after this match to lead into whatever his WrestleMania match ends up being. I I get so frustrated when there's opportunities that are just sitting there. It it makes me it makes me really get upset that I'm not seeing the story that could have been. Yeah. And it end up taking it out on the story that actually happens sometimes. That's yeah. That's probably counterproductive, but but such is life exactly. as being a hardcore wrestling fan, being an intelligent wrestling fan. That that is life, unfortunately. Uh, so, so we're all used to that. I wish we weren't intelligent for wrestling fans. <laughs> maybe the maybe the latter more than the former. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so that's our Hell in a Cell recap. There, as you can tell, we're super duper excited. But we'll have uh, previews and reviews on the website as well, so you can check all that out. Team previews, team reviews, all the good stuff. VoiceWrestling.com. All right, so let's get to the final part of the show here before we get out. I know we went a little bit over what we wanted to do, which people are going to be shocked at because they're going to look and they're like, oh, my God, it's only like an hour and 50 minutes. What do you mean way over? But we had planned, you know, only about an hour, an hour and a half. But uh, uh, real quickly here, uh, real our final quickly. segment. I, well, I, I, I was going to always quick. have four hours blocked for these things. No, no. Well, I do, but. Sometimes I enjoy sleeping and eating and stuff like that, too, which occasionally I don't do when me and Joe do a podcast. I just, like, have a protein shake, and I'm, like, dying by, like, 11 p.m., and I just – I eat, like, popcorn and – like, you should see what I eat on, like, a Thursday night when I'm finally done with this podcast, and I've been talking for four hours, and I just got home from work, and we do – like, I just – I'm just a madman. I just go nuts, and I don't fall asleep till like, 2 a.m., and I wake up at 7, and it's just a mess. It's it's just awful, awful, awful. But uh, so this time I actually want to get some sleep here. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, uh, we want to talk about Halloween Havoc. It's the Halloween season. Uh, we have a great thread on the uh, the voiceofwrestling.com slash forums, the wrestling – Voice Wrestling Forums. Uh, it's a WCW thread, and what we're doing there is we're going through some old Halloween Havocs. Uh, Mike Falcone, who's a member of the, the, the forum, has kind of went through and said, hey, here are a bunch of what I would consider the best matches of Halloween Havoc. Let's go back and rewatch them. And in, and in turn, I've rewatched those matches. But, I, you know, I was tempted. I just watched the whole freaking Halloween Havoc. So I basically watched pretty much every Halloween Havoc up till I think, 98 at this point, I, I've watched all the way through now. And and it's just a, you know, this time of the year, it's fun to sort of talk about that. And that's one of the benefits of the WWE Network is that I can binge watch a, a seasonal pay-per-view like that and, and, and sort of do that. So when I mentioned to you, I said, hey, I want to talk about retro Halloween Havoc stuff. So I said, you know, get your memories together, look up some memories. And you said, I don't have to look them up because I have physical memories because you went to a Halloween Havoc. We learned at the, uh, the top of the show, 1990 Halloween Havoc at the UIC Pavilion. You were there. What, what what's the story? What do we have here from the 1990 Halloween Havoc? That was a, a fun show from what I remember. It's amazing to see how terrible in retrospect the show was in most cases. The realization that the Freebirds versus the Renegade Warriors got 17 and a half minutes. 
which is two and a half, which is two more minutes than the Steiner brothers versus the nasty boys, which was a legitimately, if I'm recalling this properly, a legitimate four star match. Oh, really, really good. Yeah, that that was one of the first ones of the Halloween Havocs, uh, or at least uh, of of ones that I really, really, really enjoyed. Yeah, it's just a brawl. It's just a yeah. fight. It's exact. It's exactly what a Nasty Boys match should be from from top to bottom. Yeah, that was outside of the uh, matches with Cactus and uh, either Max Payne or Kevin Sullivan. Those are probably that's probably your best Nasty Boys match ever. But the few things I remember because I was just about I was a couple weeks away from turning thirteen at the time. So I was just starting to really get into the whole, ooh, the heels are cool sort of thing. And watching the Freebirds just get, I don't know if the actual audio is like that now on the, sh- on the WWE Network version, but I was so confused but happy that the horrible face team of the Renegade Warriors, Chris and Mark Youngblood, we're just getting booed out of the building. Yeah, no, the, the, no, it still it still comes okay, across. Good. I legitimately did not because you know just obviously out of context, just sort of watching these or whatever. I was like, huh, the Freebirds are, are mega baby faces at this point. Yeah. That's that's interesting. And the Renegade Warriors, who you, you you make sense because they're sort of like this tribal team. They come out and do you know tribal dances and all that sort of stuff, and they're just getting booed at the high. Like people just cannot stand them. I'm like, ah, oh, that's interesting booking in 1990 to do that. But uh, no, that's not what they wanted to do. No, the Freebirds were super over, and it still comes across in the network as well. You, you would you would legitimately think that the Renegade Warriors were like the top heel tag team in, in that territory at the time. Oh yeah, so. and that was always the fun part about going to USC Pavilion is that the heels were always over the midnight express was always over there the Freebirds were always over when they were there sid vicious in the main event is super over he was there i remember being so confused leaving the building that night because i had decent seats i wasn't on the floor but i was in the first level and i could see everything pretty clearly so i'm watching the match Sting and Sid are fighting, and they go to the back. They come back out. Sid pins Sting. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Sid won. That's odd. It was a terrible pinfall, too. Oh, yeah. I think like it was just like an out-of-nowhere pin, and you're just like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's like, well, this is a very strange match, but what do I know? And then <laughs> I'm just an idiot. Then I'm just Sting comes idiot. back out, and... On TV, it's very obvious that, oh, yeah, this other sting is uh, not really. <laughs> Go back and watch. Although, it is not. To be fair, how many times did Tony Schiavone get confused by stings who looked far di- more different exactly. than Gary yeah, Whitman did? If, if- and that's that's what's actually interesting of this and in, in rewatching it. And I had to go back a few times to sort of take it in a little bit is that you can tell the crowd has no idea. They, they're yeah. completely and really confused. Tony Schiavone really doesn't know either. At some point, and, and one of the issues, too, that, that happens is after this match, they do an interview with Sting and they say, I, I forgot who it is, but he goes, Stinger, we have 15, or we have 30 seconds. Like, give me your thoughts on this main event. And Sting, you could tell his eyes light up. And he's like, yeah, baby, I don't know. Gotta go. And then they're like, all right, we got to sign off. And then they're done. The pay-per-view yeah. is over. So you, so Tony Schiavone doesn't get a whole lot of time to even mention anything. And Jim Ross doesn't get a whole lot of time either. I believe it was Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone that were doing the commentary, if I remember correctly. They don't get any time to actually explain this thing. At one point, the only thing you hear is, that other Sting looked like Barry Windham. And then that's it. They, 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 they let that go. And they're like, that wasn't the real Sting. That wasn't the real sting he does the pinfall it's over the crowds go nuts balloons go off all this shit happened <laughs> they do an interview and then they're off the air and you're like oh my god in five minutes all that happened and nobody explained it at all so i you know i i, I see how even in the crowd you'd, you'd yeah. have no and I, after that you, all happened you know, it's like okay good night 
Right. It's like, <laughs> no one even got on the mic and did like a, an announcement. Like, like you could have had like Gary Michael Capetta come on and just give us a few words to be like, that was a fake sting. But that really is the beginning of a great Halloween Havoc tradition for me of having one of my favorite moments and having one of the lamest moments ever happening on the same card. <laughs> they are a... so good at that. Yeah, Halloween Havocs are historically great for that. One other match that I wanted to mention as well, the Doom versus uh, Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. Oh, that yeah. was the smarky Chicago crowd completely shit on that one as well. And and just were like, we are not booing <laughs> Ric Flair and oh, Arn God, Anderson no. in favor of Doom. Like, we don't care what your house show feud wants us to do. <laughs> Fuck that. The Four Horsemen are super over. Like, and, and, and the commentary has to make mention of that all the time. Like, well, I think it was Jim Ross. Like, well, Doom has been considered, uh, you know, in many circles has been the favorite team of the two. But uh, today it seems like Chicago. Like, you know, like the bizarro world crap that you get from, you know, when they oh, go yeah. to Toronto or whatever. And they have to be like, what is this weird crowd doing? Like, the, the only time I've ever seen the Horsemen booed in Chicago was when they went against the Midnight Express. It was uh, Arn and Tully versus the the Midnights, the oh, okay. Stan and Bobby version. And that was one of the just that crowd was just nuclear hot. <laughs> and it was a house show, so it wasn't even on TV. But I still like remember that as one of those crowds that I still measure things against. How, how many WCW shows did you go to in that era? Or actually, maybe all time we can we can talk about. Um, man. I probably went in the NWA era. I went pretty much every time they came for a couple of years. So, oh, wow. who 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 brought you to all those? Who was the one that was like my dad? Was that you, the short un- straw. <laughs> okay, he, so yeah, did he want to go or you, no, did you kind he of? He had no him? interest in it whatsoever. Oh, okay, because I was wondering if he was like, "Come on, son, let's go to the the wrestling." Oh, or no. you were the this was me oh, okay. saying, "I want to go, I want to go, I want to go." <laughs> yeah, so to shut you up, he just took you. Okay, exactly. I was just curious. If he, he was, was just like, and, "Here, fine." <laughs> Yeah, all right, you dumbass. Exactly. <laughs> what the hell are you doing wasting money on this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this crap. And then he sees that finish, and he's got to be like, oh, God. <laughs> I, I think I think he liked Stan Hansen. He reminded him of some of our relatives. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't love Stan Hansen? And that's still... <laughs> Everyone's got an uncle. Everyone has an uncle Stan oh, that, that is exactly like Stan Hansen. And can you imagine... Throwing lariats around. Thing, the randomness of Stan Hansen winning the U.S. title over Lex Luger. Yeah. That's a good match. It's a fun match. It is. I mean, but it's just so bizarre. You read it now yeah. on like the Wikipedia.